This is the Blattcast, a sometimes fast-paced but usually meandering look at the world, hosted by Christian Blatt. So kick back, get ready for quite possibly the longest one hour to perhaps the shortest two hours and 56 minutes of your life. And now, here's Christian Blatt. Welcome to the Blattcast. Today, it is not one, not two, but three conversations about Star Trek Picard Season 3, filled with all the spoilers, all the opinions from some of our great friends. Let's get started right now as I'm joined by Mr. Jason Blair, who puts the puts the IP in the ICP. It didn't quite work. It sounded good in my head. I, I'm yeah. your legal juggalo. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> but okay. uh, also with us, not a juggaho, nor a juggalo, but just a gigolo, the one, the only Mark Hunt. Mark, House of Hunt. Mark, welcome. Thank you for being here on the show. It's a pleasure, as always. Your thoughts on this season? Um, I've been a huge fan of it. I, as someone who had, you know, gave season one maybe a a C. I kind of liked season one. It was all right. It was C. I gave season two an F. This one gets like an A minus at least. Yeah, season two. By the way, if you could give it an F minus, I think that uh, that would That's actually possible. be appropriate. But anyway, finish could. your thoughts. Sorry. Very few nitpicks. Uh, I think going back, if I when I go back and watch it again, I think it'll be interesting. I think episode one through eight felt a little bodily, bottle e. I guess we were on the Titan pretty much exclusively, but I mean the story has just moved along. the The layers of the story moved along well. I was pretty much a fan of everybody that was on there. I thought that maybe Jack Crusher got a little David Marcusy, uh, a little Mutt Williams maybe, but. On the whole, I've been super pleased with the show. And then once the Next Generation crew came on board, I mean, that was it. The last two, three episodes have just been stellar. Yeah, Jack Crusher was was like uh, David without the perm, really. You know, I mean, the, the, there there was some familiar territory there. Now, Jason, heading into the finale, where was your yeah. satisfaction level with season three? I kind of agree with Mark. You know, I didn't hate season one as much as uh, I think you did. Uh, I definitely liked it more than Tom Kelly. But, uh, you know, it, <laughs> a C, uh, probably uh, first season, second season, just awful. And then third season, it's just hard because you're you like it so much, but then you're like, why why do we have to have these two first seasons be awful before we got to this? But then I was just like, you know what? Let's just pretend those didn't happen. You could jump right into this and just pretend that you know some of that stuff with Alton Sung and explaining Raffi would not make sense if somebody jumped right into season three, but. Then again, that's that, that's the thing with Star Trek: The Next Generation, right? It didn't get good till season three in the original show, anyway. So do the same thing for Picard, and and so going into these last two episodes, I really enjoyed it. I, one thing I will say, I also like what Mark he said he gave it an A minus. I was looking for the Dominion to be the big bad and sort of the gr- the great link and those reveals. And then when they switched it to the Borg, I know it makes it more epic, but I was just like the Borg again. That was the one thing where I, I was like, if they'd have stuck some way to make this work to that extent, but keep it the Dominion, I probably would have given it a, a solid A or maybe maybe even an A+. Because I got a little bored and tired. I just felt like they closed the book on the Borg in season two. And I felt like they closed the book on something else, which we'll talk about later in this episode. Clearly they didn't. And the, the explanation was given was like, well, this was 
an alternate timeline, different group of Borg. This is this is the Borg that we know and fear and uh, all of that. So it was okay. It was a good surprise, the reveal, because I just assumed they weren't dealing with the Borg. But I agree. I really wanted the Dominion. I wanted the Great Link. I wanted more Changeling stuff, you know? I wanted a CGI Odo, which shouldn't have been that hard to do, in all honesty, to give us a CGI Odo. On the one hand, for, you know, a, a serialized television action adventure show, it, it was a nice surprise of like, oh, wow, it's the Borg. But we're a little, little Borg fatigue at this point, I, I think. Mm -hmm. But that's what we were given, and uh, we knew that uh, at the end of last week, and you know, I have talked a lot about this show in the sense that I feel like for the most part, the fan service, they tried to have it not be too distracting and too unnecessary. They gave us a great reason why they were using the Enterprise D and why they flew it into action and how they were able to do it. And yeah, if you really want to you want to slide that under the microscope and really dig in on it. Yeah, you can you can make a lot of issues on it, but I don't know when when they first were on it at the end of last episode, at the end of episode nine, and then actually flying into action this week. Uh, I don't know, uh, Mark, is, is that everything that that we were hoping for when we first found out there would be a Picard series? I don't even mean this season. I mean it's like oh my god, there's gonna be a Jean Luc Picard series set after uh, nemesis wow i hope we get the whole crew back together on the enterprise yeah i didn't think that we would especially after yeah. season one it seemed like they were they were content with and maybe it was the previous showrunner michael chabon or whatever i think they were just content dropping a couple here well really other than whoop whoopee they didn't really drop anyone last season but um yeah i was i didn't think we'd get this at all in fact i during season one I remember thinking, oh, this is three seasons and done. I was expecting Picard to die at the end of season three. I figured they were going to, that's where they were going to go with this. They were going to do something with, you know, they set up that whole, the, the Android conspiracy thing that I guess they just realized this is going nowhere. They kind of dropped that. Yeah. I, I, I think by season three, it's just like, I didn't expect this turn. Uh, it's just, they, they completely like, Hey, let's just, let's just pull out all the stops. Let's give them, let's give the fans what they want. Let's do what we, probably should have done it's season one the next generation bring them all back i thought it was great the enterprise d returning i think and in fact i think they did something similar in one of the books because they took the dish the dish was pretty much intact they let they pulled it off of viridian three and attached it to another ship's star drive section so i think they did something similar I, i'm wanting to say one of the shatner books but i mean it made perfect sense to me they gave us a quick explanation I thought it was fantastic that we got to see the D in action. It was, I mean, consider this fan serviced. That's that's all I wanted. Sometimes what you need to do in, in any kind of, you know, sci-fi fantasy is just address something. Give us a reason. Doesn't have to be a great reason. Just show that you thought about it. Hey, maybe this thing doesn't make the most sense, but here here's how we're going to make it work in the story come with us or don't. And the, my favorite example is always, I think it's in, I think it's in Nemesis when Picard's like, oh, Mr. Worf, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, it's actually really interesting. And he tells some story off camera. Cause it's like, do you really care why he's there? No, 
it's you know michael dorn had in his contract that they couldn't make next generation movies without him otherwise he wasn't going to join ds9 well it's you like know. that throwaway line in last week's episode too where they're like where warf's like i prefer the e and then people look at him and he was like that wasn't my fault that it's just it's supposed to <laughs> yeah. explain like he just blew up the ship or something but right exactly yeah yeah yeah, so, uh, well, uh, so Jason, as this uh, hour begins and as it unfolds, what were uh, some of the things at the the forefront of uh, of your mind as we were watching this, you know, this last voyage until the yeah. next one? You know, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's like, it's like a farewell tour, you know, the yeah. who had their first farewell tour in 1982. You know, yeah. so I'll I'll believe this is the last vision, uh, the last voyage of TNG. Uh, you right. know, but as, as long as the cast is still alive, I'm always like, well, they could probably find one more. But what did you think of this this final hour of Picard? It was great. You, you, there's one thing that bugs me, and I don't know if it's particular to my Roku or not, but whenever uh, the show starts, it changes the uh, like the HDR kicks in on my projector, and so the it it there's like a second that I miss at the very beginning. So when they do the Star Trek, the ships doing the, uh, the insignia at the beginning of every Star yeah. Trek show, I knew uh, by the time my projector had reset, all I saw was the very end of the enterprise D and I was like, Oh, I want to rewind it. But Paramount plus won't let me rewind that when I rewind it, it just goes to the beginning of oh, the show. So I was annoyed because I knew that I missed that, uh, of the actual enterprise D I only saw at the very end of it beyond that. I was, I was very happy with it. I was, uh, uh, it, it really felt like a motion picture. Uh, you know, if this would have been in the theater and I know they did the thing with the IMAX, you know, it'd been, you know, star Trek 11 or what, you know, the follow-up to nemesis. I, I felt that it would have worked, which I think also explains Mark earlier saying, why were the first eight episodes in a can? Because they had to save all this money to build the Enterprise D bridge, to do all these effects, uh, make it feel very, uh, you know, over the top epic, which, you know, then of course we've got the whole, you know, they're flying into the Borg ship. So where's Lando and Mean Nub when you need them? You know, very Return of the Jedi uh, yeah. action which that's the thing with Star Trek movies is they always want to, you do lose some of that Star Trek feel because they don't diplomacy their way out of it. It's always like they're going to, you know, use blasters and stuff. And I also want to know how strong are the shields on space dock when you've got literally the entire fleet shooting that amount of lasers. I'm like, well, how yeah, did this it, not it, blow up in like two seconds? It, it's, it's like the uh, comedian observation of why don't they build the whole plane out of the black box? So right. it's like, well, if that shield is that strong, why don't they put that everywhere uh, around <laughs> Earth? And that must be why it's so strong, because it's the, the planetary defense. Yeah. But it's interesting because you had the, the same thought that, that I did. And, you know, one of the knocks on Star Wars is just how many times the plot is, let's blow up the Death Star. And it's such, a, such an easy and uh, accessible plot. That even Star Trek decided to use it <laughs> in yeah. terms of let's blow up the Borg cube. Oh, no, wait, maybe we shouldn't. Well, right. we're going to blow it up in two minutes. So uh, let's and have some family melodrama and get it out of the way. When they were in the Borg cube and they look up and they see the Enterprise D and it's actually like Tokyo drifting up above them. Like, yeah. you know, the back ends. I'm like, is the Enterprise that maneuverable? That's pretty cool. But uh, anyway, it's. 
Yeah, you you always kind of throw that out the window when it comes to the yeah. the motion. Well, picture. as you know, as uh, as as three gentlemen of, of uh, a certain age, shall we say? I think we all know that everything becomes more flexible and easier to maneuver the older it gets. You know, it's all it's much easier to move an old starship uh, in that way than when it was brand new. So it's it's a minor criticism because it's like all right, but it was fun. even if you pres- it was fun. even if you present it in a different way it's still kind of fun to, you know, see them on the bridge trying to make sure that uh, they save everybody. I expected some degree of sacrifice, but uh, apparently the only person I wanted to come out of the season alive, right. uh, Captain Shaw was the, uh, the only one who didn't. I did really appreciate getting to see him again though. I thought that uh, they found a, a nice way to, to let us say goodbye to him one more time. What did you think about, sort of the main plot mark in terms of you know what we're talking about the the let's blow up the borg death star and uh you know so, some of some of those moments that's what i was i was expecting as soon as we got the borg at the end because yeah when we got up to the the episode where they're ending it with opening the red door i stayed yeah. completely spoiler free i had no idea it was going to be on the other side and i really i i too was kind of i thought we were done with the borg the agnes gerardi she went off and did whatever she did with the borg and that was kind of the end of it and then when i saw the borg cube i'm not going to lie i was a little disappointed i was like oh god here we go again but at least i said then i remember thinking well at least it's not q but um <laughs> so uh, but I, you know, I, I knew I, I was half expecting Jack to maybe sacrifice himself or Picard sacrifice himself. So I knew that whole confrontation was, I kind of figured that was, uh, coming up and everyone saying goodbye on the bridges as they beam the landing party down, you know, was it a little, a little paid by the numbers, but it, you know, I, I, after the last couple seasons, I kind of liked that. I'm not going to lie. I kind of, I enjoyed yeah. a single bit of it. I, I, I don't really have much to complain about it all other than the fact that again shaw died uh, that was a big i kind of wanted shaw to live to the very end because if there was going to be anybody i could maybe halfway cosplay the star trek convention maybe i could have maybe gotten away with a shaw you still can you you definitely you know i've always thought that you uh, are able to pull off a very distinctive schmuck from chicago vibe uh, so. i'm <laughs> still dreaming schmuck. of growing out my pike hair but it's never happening again, so. <laughs> Uh, only, only one human on, on earth. I love that hair. Captain Pike hair. Oh, I know. Did you guys get to see the trailer at the beginning? Oh, that was, I, I I texted Christian. You texted me. It wasn't at the beginning when I watched it. I had to watch it after the fact. And, uh, Mm. yeah, there's some differences in the way these things are presented because, uh, Fraud Muhammad, uh, points out that he can rewind to the beginning of the Star Trek franchise intro as can I also, I have the, uh, the version with ads. So that might be, Uh, you know, part of the reason. That was the one thing that made it less theatrical is that they would still fade out to commercial, which, you know, I've, I've got the non ad version, but, yeah. You're like, oh yeah, there's an ad here. So no, yeah. So uh, so somebody had a good year, is what we're uh, we're our takeaways here. <laughs> uh, the IRS, take notice. Somebody's just throwing money around on right. Paramount Plus without ads. <laughs> but, <clears throat> Muhammad also points out there's only one dipstick from Chicago in the black cast. Uh, duly noted, but uh, but Mark would just be uh, cosplaying as one because everybody <laughs> knows. He's a he's a schmuck from Ohio, not uh, or you live in Ohio. You're not. I live in Ohio, Ohio, from Oklahoma. Yeah, so yeah, the original, Tul- the original Tulsa King. The original. <laughs> that's what that's what they call you. 
I think that, uh, you know, we definitely got some uh, really good stuff to focus on. Uh, let's uh, take a moment to talk about some of the disappointment. I was convinced that we were going to see Kate McGrew as Admiral Janeway because they mentioned her like every single episode. Every episode, yep. And I I was just surprised. And you know what? It could be behind the scenes. Maybe she wasn't available. Maybe not interested. There's, you know, maybe the money wasn't right. There's a lot of reasons why it couldn't have happened. Suffice to say, I was very disappointed that we didn't get to see her, uh, especially because of that, you know? And I feel like that uh, that scene with actual Tuvok, I feel like you could probably find an early draft of that scene, and that's Janeway sitting there across from her, you know? Especially, I, I especially think... since she's been so active on Star Trek Prodigy. She's yeah, no, very Man. surprising, yeah. Yeah, so I, I thought for sure it was a natural thing. I was like, oh, yeah, of course she's going to be in Picard Season 3. She's pretty much doing Janeway now on Star Trek Prodigy. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, the interesting thing about Terry Metalis is that uh, if he wants to answer, he he will. So we could always ask him. You know, uh, he's uh, he tends to to weed through and find the the praise and focus on that. But yeah, he'll still write back to well the Tom Kellys of the world. By part. the way, you feel about Voyager? I'm surprised that. Janeway not being on the show is such a disappointment to you. I mean, we'll just be <laughs> first of all, I love Mrs. Columba, which is when we first got to know Kate Mulgrew. I, I, I always liked her. It, it wasn't like, mm -hmm. oh, I didn't like the show because of the captain. It was many other members of the crew that I, I thought uh, I, I didn't like. And uh, I just think it would have been a nice touch, you know, because if Seven wasn't a regular on the show, I, I, I wouldn't have right. really expected it. It just seemed like logically we were getting it. And so, you know, I, I, I wasn't upset by it. You know, I think uh, it's just like, oh, that's that seemed like a missed opportunity. But I suspect there's, you know, behind the scenes reasons for it. It's not that she's not mm -hmm. in it because they didn't want her or because they didn't think it was a good idea. Or maybe they had just already spent like triple the guest star budget and they're like, right. we can't get one more in there. <laughs> You know, right. Um, is there anything else that uh, strikes you as disappointing? Uh, you know, and, and it, it can be on that same level. You know, we're talking about getting some, right. you know, getting the Dominion, getting changelings, things like that. Jason, has anything come to mind immediately? It, it's of, it's uh, always, I, I always like shake my head at myself when it comes to Star Trek because there's always like super fans of any type of field, whether it's Star Wars or Marvel or whatever, and they get so into the weeds that they don't see the entertainment value of it i tend to find myself doing that with star trek and i don't know why because like i remember what bugged me about the final was the the borg implants are now biological and i remember them very you know specifically saying in earlier seasons that the reason the borg look the way they do is because the nanobites and stuff your body has like a allergic reaction to it and that's why their body you know, everything turns green because they're reacting to the implants. Well, if they're biological, you wouldn't have an allergic reaction to it. So I'm like, they wouldn't actually just start looking all Borg in their skin. And then I'm like, I am getting way too in the weeds with it. This is like what the Star Trek super nerds do where they're thinking too much about it. And I'm like, obviously from a storytelling point of view, you need to visually let the viewers know who's been Borgified and who hasn't. So you have to do that. Just things like that, I always like. Why do I do that with Star Trek? I gotta just enjoy the show and not think about that stuff. But 
our pal Craig Robinson checking in from across the pond. Maybe we'll get a deleted scene with Janeway and Reg discussing how messed up it all was. Uh, Reg is somebody who I just thought I would like to see, but uh, obviously <laughs> him not being included. I just feel like it would have been nice for Dwight Schultz to be able to renew his SAG dental, you know, <laughs> for getting some some uh, you know big time screen work. Mark, is there anything for you that uh, that is is sort of the most nagging of like, oh, it's too bad we didn't get to see this, or something that you had like a legitimate problem with in in this final hour of Picard. I thought for sure that the whole conspiracy, everything, when Vatic had her uh, dimension door that she could open, I it really seemed like this conspiracy conspiracy was going to be way more involved than just the Borger back. Um, it really seemed like they were really building up to something complex, and then once they took out Vatic, it just seemed like okay, it's the Borger. Yeah. Yeah, just it was like the Dominion didn't exist at the last two episodes. Oh, we were just we were just using them. Right. I mean, until until we're in the very end when they see how they kind of you know cleaned all the extra uh, when they they cleaned all the extra DNA out of the transporter, which uh, is similar to a a job that uh, you used to be able to get in Times Square. You used to have to clean the DNA out of uh, some of the booths there. Uh, thank you for laughing at that, Mark. I appreciate it. Uh, but, uh, you know, and then that was the first time we saw a changeling in like two episodes. You know, we didn't see any. There was like they referenced it. You know, the the board queen made a passing reference to them, but only, you know, just to be like, hey, remember them. So, yeah, they didn't it didn't all come together in the right way. And it it it, it kind of does them a disservice because the changelings would have been a great villain. And then well, it's like, well, you have to go back to the Borg. You always got to go back to the Borg. Well, what were you going to say, Mark? Well, I'm assuming there were still some more Changeling crew members on board the Titan and on the other ship. So once they locked them out, I was assuming that, okay, you have your young kid Borgs running around. But the Changeling crew members, I just assume they'd squeeze in through the vents or something, get in there early. I thought, because it just seemed like there were no more Changelings on the ship anymore. It was yeah. just young Borg. So I kind of didn't quite, unless there was some line or something I didn't realize that they they swept them all up or something. I just assumed they were still out there and could easily have penetrated into the bridge. But which would have been interesting uh, had it actually happened, but uh, instead it uh, it did not. Um, I think that uh, a lot of times with a show you get this feeling of the buildup is so great, and then you kind of feel like you can you can get a sense for how it'll get resolved. And, you know, I was surprised that everyone survived this episode. I thought that somebody was able to sacrifice Mm -hmm. something, you know, I'm glad data didn't die again. You know, it's like enough, like let's, let's let him live on for a while at least. And I, I think the, the likely candidate was Jack Crusher, you know, having paid some sacrifice but also if if Jean-Luc had sacrificed himself to save his son, that, that would have been something. I, I don't want to say it felt rushed, but there was so much episode after it, you felt like, okay, so we're done with all this now. This like massive threat, which was a really impressive threat that they built, and they started targeting all the cities around the world. I mean, you know, I, I wish I'd been at the uh, IMAX event last night because uh, – I, I, I feel like people would have been really worried as they started naming off all the cities they were targeting. And when they said Philadelphia, people just would have been like, nah, 
you know, who's going to notice? Uh, that's that's for our friend Jeff Duray, who's not watching right now, but uh, and, and yet I'm shouting him out anyway. Uh, Paul P. in Cleveland. Uh, yeah, well, I didn't, I, I didn't want to besmirch the uh, the Buckeye State because I know you live there, but yeah, uh, because you not don't, the yeah, city. just yeah, you don't live in in Cleveland, and uh, so yeah, if if, uh, if the Titan was commandeered and uh, you know crash landed, uh, you know, into Paul P.'s house and. Uh, uh, you know, Paul P has not gotten a shout out on this show in, in mm-hmm. possibly in years. So I appreciate you bringing that up because uh, it always makes me happy to think of. Uh, I, I also will notice, wasn't it in discovery when they go a thousand years in the future that it's the enterprise J. So they've gone from D to G in like a 25 year period, but then it'll yeah. take them a thousand years to go from G to J. Uh, yeah, they're, they're burning through enterprises like so. Uh, it's the F, so are the F and the G because we got to see the launch because the launch day or the frontier day weren't they launching the F? Yes, and then that was Captain Shelby. My it, understanding it, it, is that ship got destroyed. That ship did get destroyed. The Excelsior oh, got destroyed, but so did that Enterprise. Yes, okay. uh, just to uh piggyback on the earlier point, Fraud Muhammad points out that he thinks Jack killed all four changelings after the one that snuck in and was killed by seven. So it was, there were only those ones on board the Titan that, that might be the case. Okay. Um, so I don't know. I mean, to me, it felt, it, it did feel, I wasn't let down. It felt a little anticlimactic, which when you consider what the stakes were and the way they had built it, I guess just the way out of it, you know, I think there was some very nice emotional stuff, some good character stuff, but I felt uh, a little bit let down, not not disappointed, but I was like, oh, okay, I, I just thought it. a phrase that I may have heard uh, occasionally in my life. I just thought it would be bigger. Why are all the people that got Borgified can get totally unborgified except for seven? It's still 30 years later and she just still can't get that thing off her face. But uh, Jack and everybody I, else, it just pops I mean, right if off. you want me to give a legitimate reason, <laughs> it might be because she was part of the collective for so long because she was assimilated as a child, right? Right, yeah, it could be. Yeah, so she grew into it. Um, yeah, and, and but I, honestly, I kind of liked the post climax stuff last. Yeah, like oh, and, and we'll get to That's that really next. What I enjoyed. Yeah, no, I think I, I yeah, because I don't want to criticize that stuff. I just felt mm-hmm. like. There was so much, you know, was, <clears throat> the runtime was listed as 62 minutes. And I'm like, you know, that's what I want from these mm-hmm. streaming shows. Mm-hmm. I don't need these Disney plus 41 minute episodes, you know? So I was like excited about that. Was that a special uh, double episode of the Mandalorian at 41 minutes? I 41 guess? minutes. Yeah. That's a, okay. that's a four parter. <laughs> right. Uh, what did, uh, what did you think, Mark? Was there, was there any kind of, uh, you know, did you feel like they did a good job with the resolution or I- were you looking for anything else? I well I I maybe I was the only one but I I also thought when they when they a few episodes back maybe 6 or 7 when we found that Picard's body was still around and intact I thought for sure that I was like oh he's going to ditch that body he's going to go back into his old man body I thought that and then uh I I really thought I was like oh he's going to get his old body back he's getting it back they saved it and then of course when Vatic's ship blew up I thought did somebody maybe somebody bring his body back along so it was, it was <laughs> yeah, like little plot threads like that that yeah that I, I thought i thought i was going to predict um other than i think and the only other things really um the jack crusher thing i think was it was i thought it was fine i thought i thought it was odd they cast someone who's nearly 40 to play a 20 year old how old is he for real he, i don't even he know just actually he just had a birthday he just turned 35 
uh, just about a week ago. I just saw him on, on yeah. I, every time that I go to IMDb and they have the birthdays and I saw old Ed Spaliers on there. Because uh, I, I even checked, I was like, God, how old is this guy? Yeah. Like, yeah. He was back, I remember him on Downton Abbey for a few seasons. Yeah. And I think he was on in the movie Aragorn, 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 that dragon, kids dragon Star Wars movie ripoff right. from like 15 years ago. But um, other than that, I mean, really, honestly, I mean, there's some of the plots I, I uh, for once, I could just sit back and enjoy it. For the most part, all the little nitpicks that I thought I was, all the little avenues I thought they may have would have or sure should have gone down really honestly at the end of the day they gave me the next generation crew back together again and that was that more than made up for it mm-hmm. so i really honestly the pros way outweighed the cons for me yeah i wanted this episode to show and i think it demonstrated when cursing is acceptable in star trek when uh, yeah when Riker picked up Worf's bat left <laughs> And he drops it and he goes, shit! And it's like, you didn't know that was so hot. That was funny. That's exactly yeah. when you need cursing in Star Trek. Like when the, the saucer section was going to crash into Viridian 3 in Generations. And Data says, oh, shit. And it's like, it's perfect. The times that it, it works the least is when uh, Tilly is uh, dropping F-bombs. That's usually, because those were like the first ones. Where you're like, okay, wow, we're really ripping the band-aid off here. Yeah. But yes, I do agree. That was a, a great moment. Um, it's very interesting, sort of this iteration of Worf, because they've decided that he's funny. And this episode, it worked better. Uh, you know, I wanted to hate that he passes out on the bridge and they hear him snoring, but I'm like, oh, it's, it's actually kind of funny. But what Jason's talking about, I thought that was great. That yeah. just how heavy that thing was, you know. Two things and, with that is the, the good part is they made him funny without him telling jokes. He's still yeah. a serious character. It's just that he, it's funny in the situation. You know, if he was out there telling jokes, that would be ridiculous. The other thing that makes me wonder is if the writers watched the Orville because Bordas is kind of the same. That's where that humor kind of comes from. I think that uh, there was a conscious decision to give him the, the Thor Ragnarok treatment. Uh, you know, when Thor basically became a, a comedy character, a comedian, <laughs> and that's kind of what they did with him, but it's more like his situations and surroundings uh, are, are rather funny. I yeah. But I, I, yeah, but look, you know, Michael Dorn has been trying to play Worf again for decades, and the fact that he got to is great. You know, some of the 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 humor that's supposed to be derived from Worf has fallen flat in the season, but I, I think that there were some good moments in the finale. It, it is entirely likely that we don't see these characters again. I just wouldn't be shocked if we did. I just feel like maybe we're not going to see them again. And before we talk about sort of the 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 back half of the episode, let's do a quick. Round Robin of uh, Mark, do you think we're going to see any of these characters again on screen? I'm not talking about novels or comics. Uh, not probably not altogether like this. I think no, no, might, definitely not. I, definitely I, I not think, altogether. But I, know, but I'm wondering, do you think we'll see any of them? Yeah, I, I think we will. I think if they, if they, I think they're, they might, you know, they've got all this, all these, the, the Titan sets. Are they kind of, I don't know, set up a few things? I've heard that uh, of continuing on in this 25th century era. Um, I think, yeah, they would definitely, I think we might see one or two back, nothing to this degree, but yeah, yeah I think we're going to, I think we'll probably see them again. I think so. I think that uh, I've already read that there's talk that they're going to try to do 
you know, if not a bunch of new series, occasional movies here and there, I, look, I don't think it'll be something that's like, you know, the adventures of, you know, Worf and Riker for two hours, but it'll be something where they can pop in, make a cameo, let you know that you're in the, you know, you're in the universe and, you know, that, that way they get a little check. Um, so yeah, I, I expect to see that. Um, and yeah, most of these actors, I mean, what else are they doing? I mean, you know, obviously Jonathan Frakes is busy directing stuff, so he's around anyway, but you know, Brent Spiner seems to be down for it. Uh, you know, he's not doing a whole, lot else and everybody wants to see him so he'll be there so to make assassin says i hope not uh it would be a poor storyline and obvious money grab uh i think that they should certainly be careful about what they might do again with these characters mm -hmm. um it, it reminds me of actually uh, something that i wanted to address uh from the very beginning of the episode which is something that jason actually texted me about we had the uh, the voice of uh, walter caning uh and jason's text to me is yeah it was basically how old is Chekhov?" and it's like oh it's his son because right. i i had the same thought and it's just worth noting that they had Chekhov's son named anton Right. Uh, I presumably as a tribute to Anton Anton Yelchin, who uh, of course passed away after uh, Star Trek Beyond. I thought that was a nice touch, and I thought it was great that uh, that we got to hear him. It's not a salute to the next generation, but if you're if you're going to have a, a callback to the original series, uh, we'll all take it, you know, at, at any point. And there's there's stories that I think could be interesting to be told. Um, one of them is is not really the um, Captain Seven with uh, Raffi as number one. That was I was excited until I saw Raffi because they said, "Oh, Raffi's got a grandkid; she can go off and be a grandma now." And then we'll have Seven and a new crew, and then Raffi's right there beside her. And I'm like, "Aren't they still supposed to be lovers?" And not, it's just yeah. Well, I that was kind of what I liked was this idea that uh, her family wanted to reconnect with her, and I'm like, "Great, that's the end of her story." And they're like, nope, right. <laughs> here she is again in uniform. And it's like, all right, I yeah. guess. I read an article yesterday. It was funny. It said watching last week's episode, it reminded him how if you're going to work on a starship bridge all the time, isn't it nice to have carpet like you had in the 90s and the D and all the new starships? It's always like polished metal floors and everything's cold. And so it was just like it was nice to see how this was like an actual working environment where it was warm and you actually have carpet. And it was this whole thing about carpet on a bridge. <laughs> so this is yeah. interesting. No, 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 absolutely. But of course the carpet was uh, something that we wanted uh, to make sure we get. Is there uh, anything that comes to mind, Mark, that we, we haven't touched on yet that's basically through the resolution of the Borg threat, because then we're going to talk about how they, they tidied up all these stories. But uh, I wanted to make sure there wasn't some lingering point that you wanted to get a chance to make. I'm assuming, because I know as far as the Borg queen, I'm assuming we're supposed to think that's the actual Borg queen from start, first contact and that she's disfigured because somehow she survived that. Um, yeah. They kind of talked about, starving or something and she certainly looked emaciated and you know really deformed in some ways and i guess it was the voice of alice krieg and because right. uh, there's a body double that's also credited uh but whatever the case i believe it was you know that's the borg queen and the assumption can be that uh the borg is a threat no longer exists uh, that there is seven, but uh, yeah, and I think and, Alice Krieg reprised her role on Voyager, 
And there was some storyline where she was a different. No, was it that, wasn't Alice Krieger. Was it, it was a different Krieger? act. It was a different actress. So that's why I was. She was a di- yeah. I, we've had different Borg queens. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, the one the like one in Borg. season two of Picard was a, an actress right. named Annie Wershing who passed away. Right. But also that was a different timeline Borg queen. So that was sort of mm-hmm. you know. Terry Mattel has been very clear that that is an uh, that was an alternate Borg collective, an alternate timeline, and you know, and, and all that. It's completely separate from the Borg that we knew from First Contact and and onward and from Nemesis yeah. And what and, and once they once they established the Agnes Girati Borg did not change the collective, that pretty much officially nullified the entire season two of Picard, and literally nothing of consequence happened. Yeah, because that's what they that mentioned. The only thing that would have that would have affected anything. And they yeah, mentioned right. that in this season when they were like the Borg, we haven't heard from them in decades. And I was just, I wasn't thinking about all that. Cause I didn't want rewatch season two. And I was like, no, wait, they just did that last year. But I guess that you're right. The whole, I, I just, it all left my mind as far as it being an alternative. Uh, as well. It way. should have. Let's talk about some of the, uh, you know, the, the happier ending moments that we got as the uh, finale, uh, you know, wound down as it were uh obviously we get another occasion to see the crew together first uh, at the bar and then of course we get a poker game again did we need it no we didn't but are we glad we got it absolutely you know so and i guess in some ways maybe we emotionally needed it it wasn't essential to the story though so there's one reason it was an a minus and not an a is because data didn't have the green visor on i i you know what i did think that i i was like where's the green visor and but maybe but they did do and i as soon as they sat down to play poker i told my wife i said i know what they're gonna do the final shot is gonna be that over the table spinning replicating the final shot from next generation they ended on that exact same shot where they're above the table and it starts to spin a little bit and i was like i was like, all right that was perfect perfect yeah someone on twitter had uh suggested and and terry metallis responded to they they said that they hoped episode 10 was titled dot 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 must come to an end you know as the continuation of all good things dot 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 being the finale of the series but so he mentioned weeks ago it's actually called the last generation Right. Um, which you know we'll we'll see exactly what that uh, term uh, implies, but yeah, I think that uh, they they did a good job of sort of tidying up uh, all of our TNG characters, except for how Jean Luc had found the love of his life and Laris, who we don't even see <laughs> in the finale. Was he doesn't Was he doesn't he? call her. No, I know he doesn't call her. You know, and uh, I, I guess uh, what Beverly coming back around uh, changed the way he felt about her, which legitimately could have happened. But I was like, you, you, we, we didn't get any of that. You know, it seemed so, real, that, that whole relationship with Lara seemed really one sided. And he did not really seem to be all that heartbroken when he was leaving. It was like, yeah. oh, 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 I, well, I think they need me. Bye. Well, you can uh, you can check that out in the upcoming spinoff Star Trek. Picard's just not that into you. And uh, that'll be where they have the resolution of that. Uh, but, you know, I think uh, we, we have the feeling that uh, Jean-Luc is happy. And, uh, you know, conveniently, we have three of our main characters on the bridge of, uh, of, of the new Enterprise. This was the G, yes. Uh, but I, I was okay with uh, some of that. I did like, you know, I mentioned it in passing. I like that we got the actual Tuvok 
uh tim russ kind of spoiled that when he said that uh, he was actually going to be in another episode so <laughs> i guess we we knew that he was going to show up again but uh and i don't it, remember voyager that much but did his ears stick out like like that that baby yoda looking thing they yeah did. They did, did they oh my gosh yeah. I didn't they were extra pointy yeah, yeah. it has for me too. But. They tried to make a big deal about that when Voyager came out that, oh, he's not like Spock because he's full Vulcan. And so yeah, I remember oh, that was yeah. the thing that they I were trying to that. say about how he wasn't just a clone of Spock on the show. That, you know, well, he was. Jo- Jolene Blaylock was also uh, full Vulcan and she was very much not like Spock, but uh, mm. I think that's a different conversation. I actually could not remember the character's name. That's why I called her Jolene Blaylock. It's uh, T'Pol. T'Pol. But not T'Pol. It was T'Pol, right? Yeah. Right. So. T'Pol. And the, yeah. And, uh, but either one of those, if they want to do one of those, uh, you know, uh, seven year fights to the death, I would watch that. Oh, Ponfar? Yeah. Yeah. Would, yeah. yeah. T'Pol that's versus. Pon, no, no, that's not Ponfar. No, that's. But, yeah. you know, versus, know uh, versus Spock's, uh, Spock's wife versus Jolene Blaylock. That would be a good show. Yeah. Paramount Uh, Plus is listening. (laughs) Farad Muhammad makes the point of the quote from the Bar Queen. You think in such three-dimensional terms, because she did also supposedly die in the events of Best of Both Worlds, she always finds uh, a way back. But also a joke from Farad Muhammad that uh, Tuvok is older now. Everything droops, even your Vulcan ears. Uh, What uh, were some of your thoughts? I'll ask both of you. I think it's very realistic to say that Jean-Luc Picard portrayed live action by Patrick Stewart is something we won't get again. So as we say goodbye to the title character, how do you feel that they handled it? And the the mid credit scene is a separate conversation. So we're just talking about up until the overhead shot of the, the poker table. I thought it was perfect. I, I you know, I, I like that we got, because, you know, with Nemesis, it was, it was always kind of hoped that there would be another movie. So it really didn't end. Yeah. And this felt like, yeah, I think Patrick Stewart was ready to go. I think he was, it was to get the band back together one more time. Um, the ending, even though it was kind of Lord of the Rings, with, where it's like, okay, we got to, because after they destroyed the cube, at least with the paid, the not commercial or with the commercial version I have, it then they destroyed the cube, it cut to commercial. I ran to the bathroom, came back. They started the epilogue. There were still 19 minutes left in the episode. Yeah. I was like, wow, we're going to get a lot of epilogue, and, which was fine with me. I We spent a little, maybe a little too much time with the Enterprise G crew because I really didn't care that much <laughs> about them yeah. and was really hoping they weren't using this as an excuse to set up something in the future with them. Um, but, you know, once they got back to the bar and I could have spent another 10 minutes with it, just them hanging out, which and as they're spinning the camera around it, we, we, we spent a little extra time with we didn't get to hear everything they were saying as the credits were rolling. But it was just the camera was turning around them. We saw them laughing and hanging out and I could have kept watching that for a few more minutes. I love, you know, because I figure this is it. This is going to be the last time. Yeah, I mean, part of the reason you get everybody to say yes to appearing on this is because it is the last time. And then if you want to do one more last time, then you probably aren't going to get everybody. So I can't imagine we would get uh, everyone. Jason, your thoughts on sort of how things wound down and then then we'll focus on the the yeah. mid-credit scene. No, I absolutely loved it. I, I mean, that was probably the most enjoyable part of the show to me. It was just to see that everybody was kind of back together and happy and you know, it wasn't just, uh, 
disaster. It, it's nice to have a happily ever after. I think, I think we even talked about this when The Force Awakens came out, that my problem was I, I love Return of the Jedi because my childhood heroes live on. They ride off into the sunset and they're triumphant. And then when you watch you know, Harrison Ford get killed or whatever – and, and that's kind of how Nemesis left. I mean, you know, you know, we still had B4 and theoretically they could have figured out a way to get Data's brain to work in B4, um, but we never got that. So we always left the next generation with Data being dead, you know, Riker going off to the Titan. And it was kind of like, yeah, you know, I, I just like to see, you know, the happy ending. We live in such a downer society now that it's just nice to have your heroes sort of okay, everybody did it. They're all back together. They're happy. Um, it was an interesting thing too. I saw uh, an interview with Michael Okuda, uh, the scene where Troy is uh, being a counselor with Data and she starts flipping through on uh, uh, vacation spots. Yeah. And he was saying about how in the 90s, you know, they never showed what was on their pads because they didn't have the technology to actually have like swiping. And it's just something we do every day today. And it's just, it's, you know, that they can actually put graphics on those things. And in the nineties, like you never zoomed in on a pad. So I, I loved seeing that too. Yeah, no. And that, that was a, you know, a good exchange for any time that uh, data has been able to have emotions. It always seems to be a lot for uh, not just him to handle, but everybody around him. And that was actually, mm -hmm. it was a, 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 some nice lighthearted fun, uh, you know, Troy, and just like, I can't believe our hour is uh, over again. You yeah. know, what were you going to say, Jason? Well, and, and, and I don't know, Mark, and I think you are just like, you know, I don't really care about having a, show about the titan or enterprise g crew or whatever but i'm like you you set it up now i want it i mean i well yeah, I, I don't want raffi and jack no, but, okay. i mean but still i still want the show <laughs> if, if if shaw had lived uh i would i would be more excited but uh terry Mattelis has said that he has a way to bring him back and you know it's probably what mirror universe we talked about this last week that like the mirror universe shaw is it, either you know a much bigger D bag or it's the reverse and he's like the happiest friendliest guy you've ever met so uh you know they could <laughs> they could do that uh you know it wh whatever it is they want to do i i'm wondering what we get next for this specific point in star trek history we know what we're getting with strange new worlds we know we're getting a final season of discovery will theoretically well, say goodbye the to the 31st too, century right i thought they announced the star trek academy show with tilly Oh, I didn't. I, I, I didn't heard something actually about know. an academy show. Yeah, yeah okay. Star I didn't Fleet, realize they were doing Starfleet Academy because she left Discovery right. and she runs the academy. Yeah. But it's the third. But Discovery century. itself will end. I'm kind of behind on so, that. Yeah. I don't know. I came around on Tilly, but I, she also wasn't the lead in the show. Uh, all right, so let's uh, talk about uh, the actual last scene of the show that is sort of like, you know, in the old days when we used to write letters and there was a PS and sometimes there was a PPS and this is really the PPPS and it was like, okay, so if we thought we were done forever with the Borg and we got them back, then I expected that we would see Q. I thought it was going to be in a different context. I thought that he was going to, you know, rematerialize to save the day and prevent Jean-Luc from dying because, you know, he's whatever his only friend or something. I don't know. But uh, instead we have sort of this postscript with Jack Crusher. It's not surprising that over the course of a year that, uh, that Jean-Luc would tell his son about Q 
but so much so that he recognized him when he saw him. <laughs> that uh, was interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, my problem with, with Q is really conceptually the idea of the character. It's, it's, it's this simple. Uh, Vulcans don't like hijinks. I don't like magic in Star Trek. Magic belongs in Star Wars because the, Je the Jedi are magic. But you don't really have... You, know, you can argue that a mind meld is kind of magic, but it's it's not as magic-y as, like, snap your fingers. And uh, But what did you think, Mark, about the extra scene with Q? Q has always been my least favorite character. I've never been a fan of his. I knew I liked and you for a reason. Once we once I killed him off in season two, I was like, God Almighty! At least that's at least that at least they did that, and they couldn't even get that right. So I mean, I don't know. I I I don't know if it's just them doing it as a PF, just as a kind of a to kind of bring it around because this is kind of where it began. If it goes no further, it is what it is. I didn't think it was too necessary. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, there, there's unnecessary, but you like it anyway. And then there's unnecessary where you're like, okay, I, I didn't need that. What'd you think, Jason? I think this is a way for Terry Metalis to put pressure on Paramount to make a, a, an additional show. You have a stinger like this where, you know, it, now people will be clamoring for it. We got to have the show. But at the same time, he doesn't even be there. It could literally be like, oh, remember Q appeared to me but i haven't seen him in the last three years and you know he can just pop in pop out and you're right mark it's when you have an all powerful powerful character there's no stakes to it and and the ironic part is my favorite episode of star trek the next generation is a q episode which is tapestry but it's not really about q in a way it's about the decisions we make in life and it's really profound but uh i i think it's the cheapest way you can make a quick thing make a lot of buzz, get a lot of fan interest and demand for we need a next generation era show. It was a fun extra scene, but uh, at that moment I was still holding out like, okay, well, finally we're going to get to see uh, Admiral Janeway. And nope, it's just uh, just Q. Good to see uh, John DeLancey. Um, in any case, uh, in general, I had fun with this season, especially after just the the doldrums that was season two this was mostly easy to talk about yes there are, are holes that can be uh punctured into it and uh my friend tom kelly will be puncturing all those holes the next time he and i get together he's out here in la right now so we'll be uh scheduling a show soon once i know he's uh, actually watched it but uh, in general i was happy i have good feelings about picard season three if not the series as a whole, but certainly for season three. Uh, Jason, I know you have to yeah. run. If you have any final thoughts, I, please. It, it makes me wonder, you know, it's just, it's so comforting to see all these shows from, you know, not necessarily my childhood, but my college years and things like that, that are now back. You know, you, you see the bridge. It's just, it's comforting to come back to that. And it makes me wonder like what's on television now that when it's 2050, people would be like, Oh yeah, they're bringing back the old characters from MTV's catfish or whatever is on TV. You know, I mean, it's like, did we just happen to live at this, you know, super great time where all this retro stuff can, you know, come back. How long will that nostalgic feeling last with, it, with it'll, it'll be when that nineties show, which is yeah. a reinvention of that seventies show when it's that, 
2010s show. That's right. that's going to be the thing that we want. No, and I, I yeah, I wonder like what do people care about that is enduring in the same way, you know, as these properties from our childhood. And you know, I guess we would just turn to our kids, but a lot of what they watch is you know characters like you know Marvel characters and such that uh, Star Wars characters or Star Wars at least universes that we were already familiar with. But right. uh, yeah, I don't I don't know that. Uh, you know, 20 years from now, somebody's like, what's going on in the Walking Dead universe now? And I, I have no idea how that series ended, so I, I legitimately don't know. But, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, like, hey, Ted Lasso's a grandfather now. Does, <laughs> yeah. does he, he want to take over, uh, you know, uh, coaching that soccer team? You know, could that be fun? So uh, right. it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I loved it. Uh, just, you know, wish we had a little bit more time with the Enterprise D and stuff, but you got to appreciate that we got, you know, we got it at all. And it really, it's just nice to end a show where nobody died. Everybody kind of ended happy and it just gives you a warm, you know, and good feeling. So Of course, as we, uh, you know, we talk about the fondness for the Enterprise D uh, the nice touch of uh, finding a way to get uh, Magil Barrett Roddenberry to be the voice of the computer, and that being what Riker says as they basically decommission uh, the the old girl, as it were. I miss that voice. I thought that was a very nice touch. That uh, I think I'm I'm sure that uh, we all appreciate it. But Jason, I know we have to let you go, and uh, nice. if anybody wants to get in touch with you, they can't. So they'll have to just. <laughs> Send, comment on this video on YouTube or send messages to me, blackcast yeah. at gmail.com, and I can pass. Chris, Christian is my uh, bouncer. He, you know, he yeah. keeps everybody away and lets, you know, if you need to get in contact with me. Anyway, uh, Jason, thank you. I'm sure that uh, we'll, we'll uh, be texting before too long and uh, talking about Strange New Worlds before we know it. But Very uh, good. thank you, sir. Good to see Great you. To, uh, see you. <laughs> and then, so, uh, yeah, in general, uh, you know, I, I, I wanted to just tag that in there but uh i feel like you're gonna agree with the sentiment of having magical bear roddenberry's voice oh, yeah. however they did that i don't know if that's like you know chat gpt like ai or just actual recordings that they had from the series or you know whatever it might be however they did it i think it was a it was a wonderful touch you know completely worked yeah absolutely yeah uh, so, uh, so Mark, I, I, I'm glad that uh, we got a chance to talk about this show because, you know, uh, you and I hadn't really talked much during the course of the season, but, uh, I knew as it was getting close, I was like, well, we have to talk about it. So I am uh, glad that, uh, you were able to, uh, make the time to be here, oh, but I also wanted to let, uh, people know where they can find you and, uh, other things that you tend to, uh, talk about out there. I'm on Facebook. I think last time I was on, I just done a London tour of James Bond filming sites that I had chronicled on Facebook. I just completed a second James Bond filming tour of the Bahamas, and uh, I chronicled that on Facebook as well. So that's kind of mostly where I'm active. Um, thinking about maybe trying to get the band back together for uh, next year's Planet of the Apes, trying to get the podcast of the Apes maybe back on, uh, get those guys back together. Um, we've kind of all kind of gone our separate ways geographically so it might have to be something more like this instead of yeah but i mean that's sort of the the advent of of this is that it's so much easier to do those yep. kind of shows than it used to be yep. where you know you had to get out all the equipment and record in the same room you know 
like uh, when I had I had all of you into my hotel room in Knoxville after <laughs> after Dennis's comedy show, mm-hmm. and I made you drive to Knoxville with your podcast equipment. It's all a lot easier now. Oh, yeah. uh, what is coming next year, uh, Planet of the Apes wise? Is it a film or a series or what is it? No, it's a film. It's a film, Kingdom okay. of the Planet of the Apes. It takes place uh, about a, I think around fifty. I think it's a pretty much done. I think they're just in post production right now. Marvel just this month. Relaunched Planet of the Apes as a monthly comic book series to kind of lead up to the new movie, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a big, big film next summer. We're moving along the conversation right now, joined by the one, the only, Mr. Frank Moran. Going boldly, (laughs) where no man, no one, has gone before, and uh, my friend Drexel heard. uh, Usually, we talk about things that are far less consequential, like the future of the free world. And the decision makers and the impact it's going to have on all of our lives. But Star Trek Drexel, I think, is something that's truly important to all of us. You know, it's the Federation is very much like the things that we talk about uh, outside of this. <laughs> it's, it, it's run about just as well as uh, right everything we talk about. And we have a space force. So, I mean, <laughs> here. <laughs> How long do you think it would be before uh, Space Force would be assimilated uh, if a Borg cube showed up? Well, much like this finale, I'd say 35 years. Oh, oh okay. So that's not so bad then. Um, in any case, Drexel, give some of our audience a, a little bit of a, a background. I always uh, find it it's interesting when uh, people talk a little bit about what Star Trek has meant to them, just sort of at what point in life you found it. I, I've repeatedly told the story about I just grew up with it. My mom used to watch the original series in high school first run Friday nights, Friday night was date night. But if you were dating my mom, you were staying in and you were watching star Trek. And, uh, you know, we were the first family that I knew that had a VCR because my mom would record it at midnight in New York on WPIX channel 11. And she specifically was recording it every night because she really wanted to see the trouble with tribbles again. She just somehow had always missed it. She hadn't seen it again. And the day we got it was, uh, was very important, you know, and I think, you know, we're all of at least a similar enough age where everybody just kind of as a default uh, loved Star Wars, but not everybody loved Star Trek. A lot of people didn't even like Star Trek. So what was, uh, how did it uh, come into your life, Drexel? I go a lot like yours. Uh, my mom loved The Next Generation. And so I grew up watching The Next Generation, but I also grew up in a military family. So a lot of the Um, protocols and a lot of the officers and a lot of the structure of the Federation uh, is something that I just grew up with. And so coupled with my mom watching it all the time, me trying to figure out what Jean-Luc Picard was doing every episode, uh, plus the structure of Starfleet, um, you know, really like piqued my interest. And, And then, I mean, I didn't watch Deep Space Nine. And then it wasn't until... I watched all the movies, but I moved to Japan in 2000. And um, during that summer of 2000, two things happened. One, the Harry Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire had come out. So I was distracted by that. But we were also in rotation. We were also in rotation. So I didn't have anything to do. I didn't know anybody. So what I did was I watched all of the Star Trek movies from uh, from Kirk through Picard uh, of of what was out at that time through that time. So I really kind of caught up during that time. And then the pandemic, I watched all of Voyager in like a year. Have you at any point watched Deep Space Nine since then? Or I have watched a part, I've watched a good, maybe like two seasons 
of Deep Space Nine. It, it, it's, it's a really, I, I know there's a lot of people out there that love Deep Space Nine and I get it. You know, they would say the same. I think people would look back at, at the next generation and say, oh, the acting wasn't really great in the next generation either. But I think it's even worse in Deep Space Nine. And so I think. Um, yeah, there's a I, there's like next generation for me. Uh, Deep Space Nine has a point where it hits its stride with mm-hmm. Deep Space uh, with the uh, next gen. You can say it starts really in season two, but season three, you're like, okay, this is really where it's firing on all cylinders. Yeah. They have enough dilithium uh, the, to power the entire season. Yeah. And uh, it might have taken a little bit longer with DS9, but uh, yeah. their last couple seasons, you know, dealing with the, especially the Dominion War. Uh, yeah, I feel like they they really uh, got on something. And And people who know me and know me talking about Star Trek, Voyager, was, I just, oh, I just I know. couldn't. I couldn't, and uh, and I don't even know if we need to talk about Enterprise, Frank. Do we need to talk about Enterprise no. at all? I, I don't. I don't know that we do. You don't. Sorry. You don't want to talk about Scott. Scott. You know, oh, I love Scott Bakula. I'm such a huge Quantum Leap fan, and that's why that show hurt me so much. Because I was just like, how could it possibly go wrong? And they're like, all right, well, hold our Tranya. We'll show you how it can go wrong, and uh, it did. I think it's so interesting that you don't like. Uh, Voyager, because I know I know that about you, but I also, and I know because it's it's such an important part of this season of Picard. Sure, where how important Janeway was throughout a lot of the characters in this season, um, and her influence that she had from uh, Nemesis on, but or Admiral Janeway. Yeah, there's a lot of talk about you know who's who's favorite captain. I think Janeway always ranks up as people's favorite captain. I liked her as a captain and uh, it was really the kind of the rest of her crew. There was a little bit too much of like the UPN handprint on that show. You really felt like they were trying to fit in, you know, they got network notes that were probably different than because the other shows up to that point had all been for first run syndication. And then there was a network again, and you know, Roddenberry didn't want to do another Star Trek series because he didn't want to have to deal with the network. And they sold him on it by saying like, this isn't going to be a network. It's just going to be paramount. Yeah. So I, there's a part of me that wonders if one day will I, will I ever actually uh, try to uh, give another shot uh, to, you know, some of the seasons of uh, Voyager that I, I, I might've, uh, you know, kind of breezed through. And we will talk about sort of, uh, you know, the way it factors into this season, Frank, you've famously, uh, you tapped out on Discovery when they went into the 31st century. But other than that, were did you stick with all the shows or did you have to throw in the towel on on, on Voyager or Enterprise or anything like that? Or I did stuck you always... with them all, uh, except for, I mean, I tapped out after season two of Discovery. Did watch yeah. Strange New Worlds. And I still have not watched Lower Decks. I keep saying mm-hmm. I'm going to do it, but I have not, uh, I have yet to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed Voyager. I I just wish though that there's that uh, two part episode like Year of Hell, where you mm-hmm. see where they go through this, uh, this quadrant of space and the ship is damaged and Tuvok goes blind, uh, and then it just does a big reset at the end of the episode. Uh, it's like, oh no, that whole year didn't happen now, and it was uh, it just showed you what the show could be, where it's just like these characters could grow and change and could be long lasting uh consequences during their travel trying to get back to the alpha quadrant and yet it always just kind of stayed safe which is why we end up getting seven of nine yes. because part of that reset was seven of nine so and then that takes us into where we are now in picard 
Yeah, uh, because I, uh, I, you know, invoked my mom's fandom of Star Trek. It seems like an appropriate moment to mention the uh, one joke that uh, she uttered when Seven of Nine was uh, first introduced to the Voyager crew. My mom took, you know, she kind of looked her up and down, you know, on the TV screen and said, well, I guess they didn't get rid of all of her implants, did they? So uh, I'll tell you a little bit about uh, my mom, but I do want to focus on uh, this season three of Picard and uh, our friend David Weiss, a.k.a. Salmon. He summarizes this as a total corporate capitulation by Terry Metalis and the writers. I feel somewhat differently than that, but uh, uh, let me uh, let me start with you first, uh, Frank, because uh, you haven't met your quota of number of words uttered uh, during the episode. So we, we, we want to get to that early so that, uh, you know, you can uh, you can make any bonuses for your appearance here. Um, <laughs> now that we're at the end of the season, what did you what did you think? And we'll go through the uh, the episode in and of itself. But uh, just your feeling now now that it's done, now that Picard is done. Now that for the sake of Sir Patrick Stewart, let, we just should just hope that the story of Jean-Luc Picard is closed. You know, let's not put that man uh, under hot lights again and ask him to run. You know, <laughs> I, you know, that one comment there from uh, Daniel there about it being a corporate cap- uh, capitulation. I, like yourself, can't can't really agree with that. I mean, I would think that the only capitulation that they made was just the sake of budget. I mean, there's certainly been plenty of interviews with Terry Metalis about saying what he wanted to be able to get in the series or in these last few episodes. And just there just wasn't the budget to get the cameos and get the actors or get the locations that they wanted to, to get in this. And so I thought given all the, the constraints uh, with the budget that he had to work with, I mean, he did a fantastic job of, of telling a really fun story over 10 episodes. I mean, there are things I would like to have seen fleshed out and told in different detail, but overall I was really happy with what he did. Yeah. The uh, it's interesting that they didn't have the budget necessary because they clearly spent uh, almost nothing on season two. So they had, <laughs> they had saved up so much money for season three that you figured that they uh, would have used it. But I think a perfect example of when you watch something and you go, Oh, they, they decided to not give them any money was when they just rechristened the Titan as an enterprise. And you're like, Oh yeah, they're, we're not building new sets for like one scene. <laughs> You're going to use the Titan and we're just going to put a new name on it. Uh, what were your thoughts, Drexel? Uh, you know, just sort of as the season went along, when it started, uh, I, I know that uh, both you and I were very excited for this season to start because we were getting all of our next generation friends. Uh, neither one of us were able to get into the uh, the IMAX screening that uh, we traded a lot of messages so about. <laughs> spent a lot of time trying to get into uh, unsuccessfully. But uh, apart from that disappointment, what were your thoughts on the uh, the episodes as you had to unfortunately watch in the comfort of your own home and not on a giant IMAX screen a screen at the Grove? I, I was disappointed not getting tickets, but I also appreciated watching it at home because I could, you know, I could focus on what. I was watching uh, and that's the beauty of kind of watching things at, at home but I like probably everybody watching the way that all that this storyline should have been in the first season we shouldn't have had to go through like whatever we went through the first two seasons like this season projected like those two seasons didn't exist but but like you said it's hard to pack 
everything that you want into 10 episodes. And we know that yeah. having all of us having done uh, many after shows of, of different shows, um, there are certain things that you want to see in seasons. Um, this in particular, the last two episodes, you know, felt like a continuation of Star Trek Nemesis. Um, and, and like, you know, they just picked up, it felt like they kind of picked up where they left off, but they didn't you know what I mean, you know, with some of these characters. Um, or is like right. Yeah, after, just imagine like, if we'd gotten an extra later. hour to talk about that uh, Mike Pence, Tim Kaine vice presidential debate in 2016. <laughs> if we'd only had a little bit more time. Yeah, yeah. So I thought it was. I just thought it was. I thought overall, you know, I thought it was a really good arc uh, for a lot of the characters. Um, uh, what was really interesting, it was, it, you know, the show's called Star Trek Picard, but it was very seven of nine heavy through the whole season, yeah. uh, through the whole series, actually. So, um, uh, so that was really interesting. They focused a lot on her, uh, which is why you know Janeway's presence illuminated through pretty much the entirety of the series. Um, so you kind of had your expectations of where Janeway was going to show up, um, and then she didn't. Yeah, I mean, and and it, it it seemed like it was a foregone conclusion because they literally name checked her in every single episode. So you figured right. that we would get her, you know, I didn't expect her to do much. You know, I thought that we would see her, you know, just a little bit. And one of the things that I put out there in the earlier conversation was Seven's sort of debrief from real Tuvok, not fake changeling Tuvok. You feel like that scene works perfectly if that's Janeway at the other side of the desk. And maybe it was even written that way, you know. I have, a, I have a imagine that it was written that way. Yeah, but at the same time, you could see the scene where Admiral Shelby is giving because the whole po point of Frontier Day, everybody was saying Admiral Jamie wants this, Admiral Jamie wants that, yeah. blah blah blah. Admiral Shelby's speech should have probably been Janeway. Agreed. And and I think that there were definitely spots not only in that speech but also at the end, like you just said, where uh, Janeway should have been. Yeah. And, you know, great for Tim Ross. I was glad that he got to show up in two episodes and one of them, you know, playing an evil version of himself, which is kind of fun. <laughs> uh, but uh, and uh, I'll ask your thoughts on that in a moment, Frank. But uh, to your earlier point, Drexel, I think if these 10 episodes were the only Star Trek Picard there ever was, they only did the one, say they did one mini series, one 10 part series. I think we all would be a lot happier uh, about that. Uh, in fact, our, our friend in the chat, uh, Mr. Weiss, just skipped season two because he knew how much I hated it. And I was like, I guarantee you'll have no problems just jumping right in. What do you think sort of about, uh, let's first address, Frank, this uh, notion that we didn't get Janeway. And I know that I don't think, she, well, no, because she's in the, she was in the finale for TNG. So she, so there, there was a time where her and Picard interacted, but I, I think that's the only time, right? And it, she's in all nemesis. good things. Yeah. Oh, right. Of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it's not like if Worf wasn't in this, you know, we had our crew and would have been nice to see her, especially because of the connection to seven. But how much of a disappointment was that to you, Frank, that uh, we didn't see Kate Mulgrew in this? Well, uh, and apologies, Drexel, if you are a huge Rafi fan, uh, I, I, do not care for the character. And no, she's not it, uh, Flo, there's only one no. Rafi fan, and that's uh, Flobo Boys, who uh, <laughs> you know very well. Frank, he's the so, he's the Rafi apologist. That's I, I love I love Michelle Hurd. I don't agreed. Agreed. I'm not yes. a big Rafi fan, though. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I Drex was the it. only person who's like, yeah, SVU really went downhill after season <laughs> one. <laughs> uh, I just felt like every time we just saw Rafi on screen, that was a moment that that was like money that could have been used to get other other characters. I, I would have liked to have seen more, like Janeway or uh, you know Barkley or somebody else that that I probably would have cared more about. O'Brien, O'Brien, yes, yeah. that would be yeah. great too. Uh, any any folks of those. Uh, so yeah, it was just. Uh, I would have loved to have seen Janeway. Uh, it would have been great. I, I just wish, you know, there are things in the series that I wish would have been done differently that we could have gotten uh, other other results. I think to your point about Rafi is, I, I feel like that character was brought on to give Seven some sort of human connection to somebody, obviously. Other outside of Janeway, if it wasn't going to be Janeway, she needed, you know, some connection to some fam she wasn't even family but she now has a love interest right you know at the end we now have you know two uh lgbt captains uh of, of a star of a starship who just so happened to have some sort of relationship and so i think that that was the only purpose for 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 rafi because you're like okay at the end you're like okay she's talking to her son what, what i was like what, what i don't even remember her son like, you know, there were just things that I was like, why are we revisiting shit that happened that I don't even remember from like season one, probably, or season two, whatever yeah. it happened in season two. So that's yeah, where Rafi that was. The, 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 the miss for Rafi for me is I would be fine with a Rafi seven relationship if it was actually written. Cause I feel like it, we, it gets tossed to us at the, at the end of season one. Like, oh, by the way, we're in a relationship. You're like, really? <laughs> we, that, yeah. How did we know that? And then season two, they're kind of it's kind of tense between the two of them. So we never at any point actually get to see them at any sort of like genuine yeah. caring aspect. We, of we needed we needed the like standalone episode where they just mm-hmm. you know they go to on shore leave to Rigel Seven or something you know, and then we could have believed that there was something between them, but it, it was almost just like, well, it was musical chairs, and uh, we already paired Jean Luc up with Laris. So uh, <laughs> uh, who, by the sure. way. Uh, I believe he probably owes some kind of explanation too, because yeah. uh, he sure doesn't uh, head back to her. He's like, uh, you know, it's basically this season starts where it's like, oh, I've finally been able to open my heart to someone. Hold on, Beverly's calling. I gotta go. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, yeah, you know. I would imagine that after seeing just the the fan response to season three, that they have to be really kicking themselves for the choices that they made for seasons one and two. Like, why did we decide that it was great to see Picard without any of this next generation people around him? Instead, try to introduce new characters. Well, I think that was that choice from the beginning kind of shot them in the foot. Except it, it, for uh, except for Riker as a 25th century chef Boyardee. You know, let's not forget that. Yeah, but, uh, that, that was that was a choice that was made. <laughs> was that it's like, well, he's not in Starfleet anymore, but he does have a pizza oven. So, you know. <laughs> And, and I know, and I know, we're talking about this last episode for the finale piece. But even in season two, it was like we knew that as the Q season, but then it became yeah. a different season of with Allison Pill's character, and it was like, okay, so what would you like us to focus on? Would you like us to focus on Q's pending death, or are we really fo- because I think the the creators, and this is no disrespect to Terry, because obviously he's got the vision, but it's like you want us to focus on the board. You have really thrown the board down our throats for two seasons now, especially in this last season. 
And, but then you bring Q back because when we got the previews, you remember when we all were introduced to season two, just in the promos, it was all about Q. Right. It was like Q, Q, Q. So we're like, oh, the game is afoot. This is a whole like, <laughs> you know, Q season. And then it just didn't become that. It, it just became something completely different. And then you're like, oh, now Q's showing up at the end of Picard? You're like, what? <laughs> I thought he was dead. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think that uh, it, it's kind of the problem you run into when, you know, the creative people behind the scenes change uh, multiple times and all of the streaming Star Trek. Oh, I guess it, it's just Discovery in this one. They, they have that problem. Discovery more so than anywhere. You know, I mean, the number, you know, what they've had four seasons and they've had like eight showrunners, you know, so uh, it, it's very tough to kind of streamline where you're focused. And this you felt like there were a number of instances where like, well, we kind of have to undo things from the earlier season and we have these characters that were introduced and uh, we're, we're going to get rid of any of them that you might like and we're going to keep Raffi you know mm. but uh so it uh yeah i think that if we didn't have the you know the baggage that came with seasons one and two this would have been a lot cleaner just as a straight sequel uh we got a lot of things that i think we did like and uh you know uh personally i i i feel like the Captain Shaw story went exactly where we we all kind of predicted that like, oh, this guy's such a jerk. Uh, boy, is he going to make a very noble sacrifice? And uh, the biggest disappointment for me was that the changeling threat uh, is just uh, immediately replaced by, oh, just kidding. It's the Borg again. And we're like, oh, OK, I really thought like you, I was like, I thought we we did away with the Borg last year. And then they explain like, nope, nope. There, this is a different Borg. That's alternate timeline Borg. We got the, uh, okay, whatever. If the changelings sort of had shown up again, that would have redeemed it in a little bit. But it was just like, nah, it was just, uh, just you know, they, they were just doing the bidding of the Borg, which by the way, if there's a species that you'd want to assimilate as the Borg, I'm pretty sure it would be the one that can change shape. You know, I, I think that might be useful. What did you think? Let me ask you first, Drexel, about sort of building to what could have been this really cool changeling story. And there were elements that were very interesting, but then just sort of uh, replacing it with the Borg for the last two episodes. So um, obviously, like, I love the Borg Queen. I love the Borg Queen from the last season, um, but I loved Vatic as a villain. What, right. and, and I think that could have been someone that just should have stayed on throughout the whole thing because it was like what 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 was really, and then you talk about we talked about um, introducing random characters. We remember when Vatic would like cut off her arm and then you'd see this head, and I was like, oh, what is this head? This whole yeah. time we're all like, what is this head? Now we still don't know what that head was. Nope. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It could have been. The obviously like may, maybe it was the board queen, but like it, yeah. that's not how, but like that was never explained, and so so what was the purpose? Like if we're talking about budget, obviously that took a lot of special effects budget for them to have to do it twice. Yeah, and so I just and so I just think that that was just something that they should have capitalized on. We would have been fine figuring out what that head was later, like you know head changeling. 
you know, I'd have been fine with it just being some new character, new villain, Vatic and yeah. some new villain that she reports to. But to not revisit it, to just kill Vatic and for it to not be talked about again, that didn't make any sense. Um, and, you know, they really, you know, they kind of touched on the Dominion War just a little bit, but not enough to where we felt bad for the changelings as a race. Whereas yeah. a lot of Star Trek, we feel a lot, you know, whether or not it's a Talaxian, whether or not it's a, you know, a lot of these other races that we see throughout who have their own backstory of Vulcan or whatever, we never really, for those who are just coming in, you're like, well, what does this mean? You know? And so we should have been able to get a lot of that. And we only really got that in one scene with Beverly and 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 Vatic. Uh, and a lot of the explanation where Vatic was talking about her own past story. So it was like, why introduce all of this if we're not going to see her throughout the rest of the season? And that was a little bit disappointing. Yeah, no, I, that's uh, pretty much exactly how I felt about it. I, it was like they built to something really cool. And we don't see any changelings again until the very end of the episode when they're talking about like cleaning house and uh, making sure, you know, it's like, well, and Beverly figured out how we can detect them. And so there's like one more changeling, but it's like, oh, we overextended the uh, changeling effects budget because the Borg effects budget was right, too high. Right, right, right. But the problem with the, with the changelings is that we still know them as especially in deep space nine they were still a species amongst the federation so they shouldn't have been eradicated is what i'm saying like the end of picard it was like they're eradicating changelings at this point from yeah. you know for out of Starfleet, and it's like well they were members of starfleet so what happens to those changeling changelings who were starfleet members do you just get rid of them like what happens to them <laughs> uh, you know? yeah well i mean I think that uh, Drexel has the ideas out there for a, a spin-off novel uh, or possibly comic book series. I'm writing uh, it right now. Ted, Ted uh, in the chat gives us a live long and prosper. I appreciate that. Ted, thanks for staying up late wherever you are. Um, let's talk about the the bullet points, the, the best parts of this season, this series really, which is all kind of come in this season. Uh, you know, this finale episode, it, it gives us what we, we saw at the end of the penultimate episode. Everybody back on the bridge, they're all together. We had that scene, I think, in episode eight where they're all in the ready room and they're all together. You know, they're on the, I believe they're on the Titan at that point. We're, you know, and then we finally get them. And the level of care that was taken into recreating the bridge of the Enterprise D. There's times where you're watching fan service and you roll your eyes like, oh, they are trying so hard. And then there's other times where you think, yeah, thank you for doing this for me. This is exactly what I wanted. Uh, where do you see this, uh, Frank, in that sense, specifically about getting the, the band back together, as it were, putting them all on the bridge and making sure that Raffi's story kept her off that bridge scene. So there wasn't the original cast and then Raffi sitting off in the back and uh, you know, no Jack Crusher, no uh, LaForge children, uh, you know, characters that we couldn't talk about possibly seeing down the road, but we just had our crew on the bridge of the enterprise D Frank, you know, for people that have watched us do shows over the years, know that we've established, you don't really feel anything. 
was this the closest that you came to experiencing an emotion, Frank? It was. It, it uh, disturbed me for a little bit because I was like, "What is? What am I? Feel, what is this that I'm feeling? I don't understand." Uh, yeah, data Frank, has Frank, a better handle Frank, on uh, how on the emotion chip. In, in my experience, Frank gave more emotion on on, on our tours at Universal than. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So every I, time was Frank was terrified that Jaws yeah. was going to actually yeah. get tears. Out and get the yes. tears. tears. Uh, yeah. Money was that great motivator. I was able to feign human <laughs> connection <laughs> with people. Like, oh, you give me money, I will pretend to connect with you. Uh, <laughs> it was great to see the the Enterprise D. It, and for me, it's I don't know, like the D was like never my favorite version of the Enterprise, but having been away from it for so long. And then seeing it back, boy, uh, it did really just uh, give you give me the feels for that. It was really great to see it, especially. And I know some people on online are complaining about all of the maneuvers that it was doing in through the Borg cube. Yeah. Uh, for me, heck, to be able to see that ship move in a way that they weren't able to actually do with large models back in the the late eighties, early nineties. Uh, come on, I'm I'm willing to. You know, worry about like what about their inertial dampers? Couldn't how, how could they be able to move like that? Like just yeah. let it happen. Just let it happen, guys. I'm sure Look, if they could, they would do it then back then. They had they had data there, obviously. So you know that's that's where you have to suspend disbelief. It was a fun sequence. I liked that uh you know data was in there. Uh and uh yeah I think that uh the the TV version of the Enterprise D uh there's a lot of nostalgia tied to it but i think the the movie version of the d and then the e i think are you know just nicer bridges to look at i mean from from the chairs on down and they commented on the carpet but i think we can all probably agree that the it's a very nice touch when uh they go to finally uh decommission it and uh, we again hear uh, Magil Barrett Roddenberry and uh, Riker comments. I miss that voice. Uh, it's like, oh, they're really trying, aren't they? They, they, they they're like, we're gonna make Frank feel something. I think <laughs> we can do it here. And Frank's like, nope, nope. not today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but even those, I mean, there were just nice little character moments, like whether it's yeah. uh, Beverly being uh, control of tactical and seeing her, yeah. you know, do that great strafing run where everybody's yeah. like, what? Yeah, the last uh, a lot has happened over the last twenty years, right? Uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and just uh, in the in the chat, uh, Eric Nagel of it's Eric Nagel. Good to see you in here, uh, Eric. Uh, enjoyed the finale. I, I definitely did. I was not let down by it. That's why I'm sort of we're building up, starting with uh, some of the stuff that was like, well, kind of wanted this. You know, I was always holding out. Uh, I was always holding out for Reg. But, you know, it's fine. Uh, and I, I only realized uh, when my friend Katie reminded me, why have we not had O'Brien? Uh, yeah, these are all these are all great points. Uh, but um, what were your feelings, Drexel? <laughs> you know, just getting what we knew when we heard that this was going to be the final season and this was going to be the season where they got the cast back together. What we really wanted was to see them on that ship and then they just give it to us, you know, you, <laughs> and you didn't even make us wait that long, you know, because at the end of episode nine, it's like, all right, let's go. And then it's like, yep, there they are. Uh, what were your thoughts, Drexel? I think for me, um, music 
played such a huge part in the feeling of what we saw throughout a lot of this series, especially sure. in this last season, uh, when we saw Voyager and the space dock. We had the themes from all the shows. So mm-hmm. we, you know, they, they yep. had the defiance. So we had the theme from DS9. Yep. Yep. And again, that's another one of those. It's basically what Eric's saying uh, in the chat. It was so much fan service and done in a good way. Uh, and yeah, he agrees that the uh, the music cues were great as well. They, yeah, agree. it's so exactly. It was the, fan service, but I'm like, no, it works in the story. So this yeah. is perfect. So go ahead. So when, you, so when you so when we saw the Enterprise for the first time, and then we get the music right after it, it that the, the music paired with seeing what we love and what we know made that whole thing better. You know, just it was just like okay, we know. And then, and I don't know, you know, not many people watch the like like the credits roll at the end. But I remember at the beginning of this season, when we heard the second half of To the Stars, or the end of the, the, the season, the, the credits, um, and then you hear the Next Generation theme. You know, and, and, and that's what you heard at the, in the first episode, and you're like, oh, this is going to be all TNG. <laughs> and you're like, oh, we're about to get some crazy TNG stuff at some point in this season. I mean, I, of course, like you guys, like love seeing everybody on the bridge, you know, would have liked to have Wesley back because he played such a big role in, in that. But obviously, you know, why, why, uh, you know, I don't know. Wesley was, I thought Wesley was dead. But then people were like, no, he's not dead. He just was. He showed up at the end of season <laughs> two, which is, yeah. is the one thing that people need to remember from season two. You don't have to actually watch season two to see it. You just need to know like, yeah, they tried to kind of deal with him in, in that yeah. way. But yeah, I, I think that I think that for the emotions of it, considering that he does the after show for Paramount Plus, it wouldn't yeah. have been that hard to be like, to uh, get him back. You, you know, uh, Will Wheaton, uh, we're going to need you to work for scale. Is that going to be OK? Yeah, I don't know him at all, but I feel like he would have said yes. You know, <laughs> yeah, he, he probably, as a fan, he, he definitely would have said yes. I I don't know if you guys thought about this. I, I know we're talking about the, the Enterprise, just the rechristening of the Enterprise G. I thought that they were going, that we were going to see it be rechristened into the USS Picard. Like the, way that, they too, built, the way that they built it up, <laughs> I literally was like, oh, they're just going to rename the ship after him. Okay, well, that makes, I, I guess that, <laughs> but maybe that would have been, maybe that would have been too on the nose uh, guess, for it. Yeah. But, you know, because they had, you know, they had renamed a lot of these ships into, into other other things before. And, you know, it was just like, okay, another Enterprise. But I, I would have thought that USS Picard would have been what we got well, out of the G. Just imagine that when, uh, you know, he would have known nothing about it, but it would have given an interviewer uh, an, an occasion to ask what William Shatner thought about the fact that like, well, you know, they named a ship after Picard, but there was when never an NCC dash Kirk. Uh, and you know, the answer would have been very entertaining. Uh, yeah. I, I yeah. Think, anyway. Yeah. Well, you know that um, there's all those people that are on the enterprise F and they're like, yes, we're, you know, yeah. one of the flagship uh, vessels. Uh, what a historic name cut to, Oh no, guys, you're decommissioned. We're going to the enterprise G wait, what? Yeah. Oh yeah. No. And I, I think Eric, Eric, Eric makes a good point. Like, you know, enterprise is a huge part of, yeah. Of, of the Star Trek franchise, you know, but we also have like the Titan came out of nowhere. Discovery came out of nowhere. You know, a lot of these newer ships that like, I love discovery as a ship. I just think it's sleek. I think it's beautiful. And, um, um, but, but, you know, I just think that to your point, like a, a lot of, 
it, it was just fan service, even at the end, even the end, you know, of them playing the card game was the end of all good things. Like, you know, seeing them together in certain things, I thought that it was going to end after seven, you know, after the Enterprise like flew off. Like I thought that was going to yeah. be kind of it, it. And then maybe that would have been the post credit scene. You know, right. like the, the card game would have been cool scratch. That would have made more kind of sense to me, just as a as a as a TV watcher. And we could have skipped the whole Q thing, like seeing them at the end in the bar could have been a post credit scene. Everybody would have been happy. We didn't even need to see Jack Crusher and Q. We need to well, see all that. I, I think if you felt you needed to do a Q mid credit scene. It should have been Q and Jean Luc. I, I, you know, I, I, I know that Terry Metalis has this ambition of doing something that he refers to as Star Trek Legacy, and he swears he's figured out a way to bring Shaw back. Which one of the theories we had earlier was that it's a mirror universe Shaw, but he's like the one guy that where the mirror universe version is super nice and friendly and just happy about everything. <laughs> and uh, uh, I was like, I'd kind of like to see it, whatever, whatever it is that he has planned. But yeah, I think that there was a little bit of the, the setup in there. Again, people know that uh, not the biggest Q fan because Q is magic and I don't think Star Trek should have magic in it, but that's just me. Uh, I, th- and- I think, I think if, I think if we can have two captain Lorcas, Yep. In, yeah. in Discovery, we can always bring back a Captain Shaw. If we can have two Admiral Janeways or Captain Janeways, well, there can definitely be. And if we can well, bring I'm, back Picard from a Borg, we can have a Captain well, Shaw. And <laughs> let's not forget the recent announcement that uh, the long-languishing Section 31 series starring Michelle Yeoh, well, she wins an Oscar, and all of a sudden they figure out a way to get that back on the schedule. <laughs> so... Uh, and that is, of course, a mirror universe version, uh, which honestly, we really didn't get to know, uh, Captain Giorgio, uh, but Admiral Giorgio was a great character and I was glad that they figured out a way to keep her around. Um, but that's, that's not this show. And, uh, Frank doesn't really know that much about that, <laughs> but I feel like you'd have to watch a section 31 movie. Cause it's set back in like the, yeah. I don't know, the 24th century. So Frank, Frank has a very strict, no 31st century policy. It's uh, he's had it his whole life. Tell me the story of how they get uh, section 31 gets Kirk's body. Uh, and I'm down. That's cool. Kirk and, and Shaw and, uh, just bring back everybody. Yeah. All of them are in sure. Section Thirty One. Actually, that's a where they actually Section Thirty One is where they got Picard's body from, and then, <laughs> and, then and then that's how the that's how the Borg and the Changelings got it. They're going to say that at some point. <laughs> One of the things that I know we're cut out of time is, is, is that I wanted to talk about was was I read somewhere that you know because we talked about Rafi and 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 Seven's relationship and a lot of the relationships that we saw, but like love and relationships were such a huge part of this last season as well. Because we saw different types of relationships, especially with our crew, that they wanted to touch on. Whether or not you had uh, Deanna and Riker's relationship and they're them talking about their son. Like that's that piece of the storyline was really nice to just kind of hear some backstory right there. And now and then you have Beverly and Jack and, and Picard there. And then you have Data and Lore, even their little scene as brothers, like they, you know, that was a really touching scene between them because you know how Data actually feels about, you know, he never hated Lore, he just was like, what, what the fuck, you know? Yeah. And um, and then Jordy and his girls. So like everybody had somebody. And everybody yeah. was, everybody's mission was somebody else. It wasn't just the, the main mission, which was 
destroy the board cube. They would destroy the 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 um, the beacon. But it was like I also need to save my these people that I love at the same time, and how that really wrapped itself up at the end. How did you buy though? I mean, I enjoyed Worf calling Rafi Rafaela. I thought that was cool. Uh, but at the end, when they have this big hug and this embrace, I, I don't, I don't know if I really bought like you know Worf and Rafi like really just like being that tight by the end of the season. How did you? I think? didn't know if I didn't know if they were trying to to set us up in our heads to have Rafi and because the way that Worf was looking at Rafi, I was like, is this? Are they trying to make this a thing? But like it was very odd because I was like that doesn't make any sense and and I know Eric says you know talked about human emotions and which is true uh, what we had said earlier which is there wasn't enough of it for us to get what we all know about these the, the relationships with a lot of these characters uh, but it really showed in these last couple episodes even Deanna you know being like oh I know where Riker is just based off of her emotion to him, not just her, to, you know, her, her gifts. Uh, so that was actually kind of nice. It's, uh, it's interesting because we all know that the fast and furious franchise is all about family, <laughs> but this show really was all about family. <laughs> it was like, yes, it's the, the love, but it's Picard realizing the family he never had. And also, you know, Jordy is the clearest example because he has both the, of his, his girls there to you know look out for and data being a part of this fan this whole family this is his real family you know and i i think mm -hmm. that uh there's a lot of nice touches and and i think that we got i think a good amount of uh, of uh, diana and will you know just really some good character stuff for them considering where it starts like mm, i'm sure that they're all glad i'm out of the house uh, where I was just like, ah, that doesn't really mesh with when we last saw them, but okay. If that's what you want to do. And then I think we got to a good place where I was like, all right, I, I, I like where their story, you know, kind of ended. And I'm sorry, what were you going to say earlier, Frank? Uh, I mean, for this, I thought like the, the great thing about only having 10 episodes, but having this, these cast of characters who know each other for so long, and we have been invested in their relationships with each other for so long that it does a lot of the heavy lifting for us. So even though you don't maybe have as many scenes as you would love with all these characters interacting, you're able to at least bring all your feelings about these characters and it helps you just still enjoy those scenes and add, you're helping add to the richness of those, of those character interactions. And I felt like the only part that lacked for me over the course of those 10 episodes was Jack, the Jack and Picard connection where it just, yeah. I wish it had been better paced out over the course of the season. <laughs> Because at the end, when he tries to pull him out of the Borg, uh, I just I, I I wanted it to land, and I felt like the show wanted me to buy that you know that that Jack is connecting with Picard, and it's this great moment. And I just felt like the sh I didn't feel like the show got me there that I could really invest in that moment. You didn't like the one year later and the pacing, and, and that, that, didn't, <laughs> yeah, that didn't get you. That didn't that didn't tell you that they had a great year together. <laughs> I mean, when we're seeing like. The, the flashback is Jack is snapping out of it and it's just these quick little blips from earlier in the season where I'm just like, 
yeah, I mean, I guess they had a little conversation there. Yeah, I, I guess. You, you didn't think uh, Jean-Luc putting a coaxial cable from your dorm room into the, his <laughs> neck wasn't uh, significant? I agree. And I think that the important thing here is that it was a season that was made by people that have the affinity for these characters and their legacy that we would want. You know, it's like they were put in the care of people who did the best, uh, you know, from the set design uh, all the way, you know, up to the writers. And obviously, I think a lot of the actors were happy to get to play these parts again, uh, you know, and to get to see them in some, you know, just to get to see all these parts back together. It uh, you could see that because you didn't get that from the earlier seasons. You know, Terry Metalis comes in at some point in season two and it's already such a mess that he's like, yeah, we got to drop the trailer for season three in the middle of season two because we need you to know that it's going to get better. Uh, and I think that it was a it was that feeling all along. My friend Tom Kelly, who will uh, make a return visit on the Blackcast to talk about his thoughts about this. He is the one person I know who just from beginning to end just actively did not like it because he felt like it just ruined his childhood. And for me, it just, uh, it was nice to, you know, you can't really go home again, but you can visit your hometown and see people and look around and go like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of feels like it. It's different, but it still feel it's better than if we had never had it. You know, I think, yeah. There've been reboots, you know, there've been shows that have been brought back. Like, did anybody want that Murphy Brown re reboot? <laughs> I, I don't even think Candace Bergen wanted to do it. Uh, you know, the, <laughs> just Frank, uh, the, the, the Frasier reboot only has Kelsey Grammer in it. You know, yeah. it's like, it's like David Hyde Pierce is like, no, I'm out. You know, oh, so yeah. it's Perry Gilpin's coming back today. So, okay. Perry Gilpin's coming back. Well, that, that helps. Oh Believe me, that helps a little bit. It, it was like, well, Frazier, you know, moves to Seattle and leaves everybody from cheers behind. I was like, I guess they could try and do that again. I just don't know that I'm interested in him doing that again. Uh, but in any case, I, I felt like this is what I wanted when I knew that we were going to get another season of Picard, you know, and we were, no, when we were getting Picard in general, I didn't think we were ever going to see Patrick Stewart play Jean-Luc Picard again, much mm. less all of these actors play all of these characters again. And I feel like they did a little bit of making Worf a little jokier than I think mm. I, I, I needed but not to the extent where I'm like, they ruined his character. You know, uh, I, I kind of uh, compared it in the past to how after Thor Ragnarok, Thor became a funny character and then he's gotten too funny since mm -hmm. then. And it's like, this guy's a he's God of thunder, you know, I mean, he's yeah. supposed to kind of be a badass. <laughs> they, they really did make, I mean, I know we're not talking about Thor, but they really did make Thor a lot like Guardians. I was like, I don't, yeah. I don't think we need that. We don't right, need because you have, have the guardians to be the guardians. One of the things yeah. that I, that I loved about, and you talk about nostalgia, nostalgia through a, a lot of this and a lot of things that we love growing up, but they had two really good callbacks to the original Enterprise uh, crew 
with Chekhov at the beginning. Anton Chekhov. Anton Chekhov at the beginning. Anton Which, by Nelson. the way, I, what I love is it's like a, it's a nod to the playwright, but also a nod to uh, Anton Yelchin, who played yep. Chekhov in the J.J. Abrams yep. universe. Love that because I think that yeah. I think that voice was Walter Cohen anyway. If yes, I, yes, I, it was. Cast this as well, but also at the end where they're having to make the choice. Uh, and they don't necessarily say the line that we all know the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, but that was the just of the end of where the of what they were deciding on the bridge, right. uh, that very Spock quote. Um, and so there were two. It was like bookended, you know, uh, enterprise uh, situations uh, where we get we're on the bridge talking with the checkoff, and you're at the end on the bridge having to make a decision like a Spock. And I thought that was really nice. Those were really nice touches and it's like, it's an homage to next generation, but it's clearly like a love letter to all of Star Trek, you know, again, by having uh, Walter Canning in, in the beginning, you know, vocally. And it's like, I, I don't, I don't need to know how old he is and the, you know, really he's the president. It's fine. I, it's one of those things where it's like, sometimes the fan service makes enough sense where I'm like, this is cool. This is what I want. Good for him. You know? He's a, he's a, he's a North Hollywood local, uh, you know, sometimes you might spot him out and about. So, you know, it's like, ah, good for Chekhov. So when you think back on, on specifically this season, Frank, uh, what are the high points going to be for you? And do you think with time you won't even think about the, oh, this didn't work or that was a little bit of a letdown. Will you just think back on this series just as, as kind of the, the high points? Yeah, it will. Uh, I mean, certainly my, probably my highest point is the Picard uh, Rolaren conversation, something I thought we would never get a chance to see on screen. I agree, yeah. Uh, so for me, that's probably the highlight for that. I I loved all of it. And I love Terry Metallus saying that, oh, she was going to be alive at the end. We just ran out of <laughs> we ran out of money. Yeah, she only had a few days of availability or something, I think is what he said. Yeah. Right. He had like two days to film her. And uh, yeah, and it's interesting when, you know, real world, uh, you know, problems get in the way of something like that. That was the biggest surprise of the season to get yeah. Michelle Forbes, who we w no one would have like the season would have ended and been like, you know, they really should have been able to figure out a way to, to get uh, Rolaren in there. No, it's, uh, you know, we felt like that that chapter had been closed. And I really thought that uh, they did a nice little misdirect with her when we first see her as like the hard ass. And then it's like, oh, no. OK. I, so, yeah, I thought that was I can't say that was the best episode because there's the ones with the Enterprise in it. But I mean, in from a writing standpoint, I think that was some of the best character stuff, the stuff with her and, and Jean-Luc talking. It was I it was like I believe she's still alive, though. I will go with Terry Metallus saying that he, he would have filmed that. So she's still alive out there somewhere. Right. Yeah. She she was able to to beam off the ship right before it exploded. We've seen that Ro, before Ro, in Ro Star Lauren, Trek. Ro Lauren was our Seska <laughs> from from Voyager. We were like we were like, where did she come from? <laughs> she came back. <laughs> Seska came back in Voyager, and you're like, oh, okay. Well, guess that works out. And she's pregnant. Got it. Okay. Um, but... <laughs> yeah. So I think that uh, we're kind of in agreement that uh, we are uh, we are happy with what we got. Uh, I think we could have done without the previous twenty episodes of of this series. 
uh, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, especially season two, because, yeah, I didn't think season one was good, but then season two really, really showed me what that, what I was thinking was way off, but this is what, this is what we wanted. And it's, we don't usually get this, you know what I mean? And, uh, None of our beloved crew members uh, ends up uh, dying. You know, I mean, I mentioned Star Wars earlier and then it was like, oh, yeah, everything's good. Oh, but we're going to kill Han Solo. Wait, what? No, I wanted him to live forever. Like, I didn't need to. I didn't want that. <laughs> no one asked for that except Harrison Ford. He's the only one who wanted that to happen, probably. If we never revisit any of these characters again for various reasons, I'll be OK with it. If they want to continue this era in some way. And then, like, oh, we have a, a cameo from Worf or, you know, a guest starring. Um, I, I would be intrigued and I'd want to check it out. But I don't know that I need this idea for this Star Trek legacy series that Terry Metalis has talked about. Really? Uh, what do you think? Uh, I would watch it, but I don't need it. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm like, oh, I really like that scene at the end where they're on the, the Enterprise G and, uh, you know, we don't get a catchphrase from seven. It's like, well, if you pick up the show, maybe I'll give you the catchphrase. <laughs> uh, the catchphrases are really hit or miss. I mean, Burnham's let's fly. It still doesn't fly with me, but uh, Drexel uh, in terms of the idea of getting any kind of continuation of any aspect of what we got this season. Uh, what are your thoughts? Are, are you excited about any of it, seeing any of it, or is it, uh, are you going to be okay if it's like, yeah, actually we're not going forward with anything else. I mean, I'll watch it. You know, it's sure. kind of like it's kind of like HBO or Max's uh, new Harry Potter series. Like, I don't need it, but I'll watch it. <laughs> right. You know, and but I also love a good prequel. I love seeing where these characters came from and how we got to the points that we got in Discovery. Discovery came long before Enterprise. I lo- which sounds crazy because Discovery looks so sleek uh, and has all of this technology that they've never had on the Enterprise. And you know, so then we end up getting that uh strange new worlds i love like you know we don't need i think it's going to be harder for people to get into a okay here we are now now we're now we're caught up in the timeline yeah that we all know and how are we going to get engaged in these characters that we already know okay now we got seven nobody really likes rafi we have ed spielers <laughs> as, as Jack, right we got ed spielers who now we all will have to get engaged with um as as a as a picard or as a crusher picard so we're like do we like him do we not like him like what is that then yeah. we've got the laforge twin the sisters and we're like okay now we have two especially with with what we what he wants is that there are too many nepo babies and nepo people in this new friend what will, what will become this new season because we're all going to be like well we miss the old people you know, I think that's going to be the hard hilt for them to to overcome, which is, oh, do we want to see the old people back? You know, and I think it's, it's like it's like the Harry Potter people. It's like, well, we really were fine with Daniel Radcliffe and Watson and Rupert Grant. I don't want to see the new <laughs> Harry Potter. I don't care if they share the new Harry Potter, right? And yeah. um, and so I think that's going to be something that they're going to have to to figure out is how to get the audience to believe and to love the characters who have the same last names in a lot of cases as the ones that we liked before. And now we have to deal with Q again for what? (laughs) 
Cool. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, look, they, they did it before. I mean, I, I think that they, uh, you know, kind of got in their own way by putting the uh, elderly bones in the encounter at Firepoint, the pilot for Next Generation. They were trying to like, oh, like, no, we can do Star Trek without all the characters you love. Uh, oh, but here's a here's a fun one. And uh, okay, you, you know who you should have you know been the villain that came back at the end? Who's that? Two Vix. <laughs> <laughs> we were look, we were halfway to two Vix. We were um, always getting to do Vix. Frank, I, I think back to uh when fondly, I think back to when you and I were doing the first season of Discovery over there at After Buzz TV, and there was the one thing that you and I felt was okay, but why are they telling a story in this time period? We wanted them to get back to the post-nemesis time period. Mm -hmm. And now we've spent a few years there. And, you know, I'm not opposed to seeing any more in this time period. But now it's like, well, I don't even know that I I need more from this specific point. Uh, is there something that's the same question I asked Russell? Is there anything that jumps out for you that you're like, I, I would be interested in, you know, if Shaw hadn't died, I'd have probably have a different take on this, you know, because I wanted to get more of him. I wanted Star Trek colon schmuck from Chicago, but then we know we're not going to get schmuck from Chicago. But what about you, Frank? What do you think about sort of going forward, going boldly into the future here? I mean, I know Terry Mattel said that he had you know, created Liam Shaw. His arc was to die. I, I'm, I'm bummed on that choice for it. I wanted to see the more transformative aspect where after spending this time for somebody that was so against Picard and Riker shenanigans that after spending this, this time with them, he now becomes a captain that gets more involved and embraces the shenanigans and just seeing what that would do to him. But we don't have that. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I, if Star Trek's legacy would happen, I don't think I need to see it as so serialized. I would be down for more episodic. I'd also be down for just, standalone episodes where we don't see the Enterprise, we catch up with Chakotay for an episode or Bashir and O'Brien. And it's just, you know, just a, you know, just a couple episodes. So like, like a, like more of an anthology series, which is actually mm. what discovery when, when Brian Fuller created discovery, it was supposed to be an anthology series. Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe putting that idea back out there and somehow Brian Fuller ends up being an executive producer on that too, because it is his idea. So you know what I would love to see? I would love to see Shaw in Section 31, not in the way that I said it before, but like as an ensign. Because mm -hmm. a lot oh, of Shaw's, a lot of Shaw's character development was, especially at the end when you, when he, you know, when we, when she, he, we get the officer uh, recommendation for, or the captain recommendation for Seven, he talks about how he himself is a, is not a rule breaker. Yeah. But you know who was a rule breaker? Philippa Georgiou. And so I'd love to see Shaw as an ensign working in Section 31, watching all of these cavalier people go about their lives and then ultimately become a captain later. Or like that just sets Shaw up for this like lifetime yeah. of being like, I'm not going to be a rule breaker like everybody else that I grew up watching around me. And so you get a young Captain Shaw or a, a Terry, you know, Terry in some form, the actor 
Todd Stash. Uh, Todd Stash yeah. uh, at that time uh, in Section Thirty One. And you don't even need uh, to put you've, in you've just made you've just uh, won me over on Section Thirty One. <laughs> uh, you know, I I do have a friend who was in the writers' room for the original iteration of Section Thirty One, where they they canned the whole thing and then they tried again and then they canned that. Get this idea to to yeah. the suits. Let's see what yeah. we can do with that. I mean, Look, I I more excited I, about a legacy series uh then it would be about you know, the starfleet academy which is you know what they've got coming yeah, it, it seems like that's that what is. they've got. I, I i do agree on that well so the next thing we get in mid-june is season two of strange new worlds after that we're going to get the final season of discovery there's still no interest in you in seasons three four and then five of discovery right you're like i i'm good with that story or yeah uh, i mean they, they, they rocket it off into the future and you know god bless them i Hope it went well for them. <laughs> uh, we yeah. only get one more season, Frank. Yeah, I know. So we're coming up on the last. But season, for Frank, for, but for Frank, they already had their last season. And it was That's three true. years ago. There we go. Yeah. That was it. I'm still enjoying it. I I think that uh, they've had some good storytelling, and that show has managed to make me like characters that I actively disliked to begin with. Disco- uh, Discovery. So- Discovery has, yeah. I uh, love Discovery. At a certain point, I felt like it was the best show since DS9. Uh, and then this wasn't really, but then season three kind of uh, has notched it up a little bit. They won me over in characters they didn't like when it started. I mean, so many of them, uh, you know. Wait, Frank, uh, you, stopped just... after, you stopped after season what of Discovery? Season, season two. two. So when well, they... You didn't, you didn't, but you didn't like when they brought in Captain Pike? Uh, I thought Ansemelt was phenomenal as Captain Pike. He was my favorite part of that whole season. Yes. Yeah, I uh, thought he was great. Yes. Yeah. So, so much so that I'm glad that they're doing Strange New Worlds because I've been really enjoying that series a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. I, that, I still think that was the best season of Discovery was that yeah. one with Anson Mount. You know, I just don't know about having Michelle and Spock. The, oh, yeah. It's a sister that, you know, you, you never oh, knew about. The Dark Angel. Yeah, and the just red like, angel, the red angel. Sorry. And now, yeah. well, we, no, we can we can never speak of my my sister Michelle Burnham. We can never speak of her that yeah. or the discovery. They're, they're, they're erased. I never talked. Yeah, to her. no, I I think that that that's again where you run into like oh we have to try and untangle webs that were uh, wove before we had a job here. Tilly Saru, it- Tilly Saru yeah. and Stamets were all characters that I did not like for most oh. of the first season. And I, I like them all now, you know? Saru, uh, I like. T- Stamets, I, I just didn't, he was always grumpy. And then Tilly, she was kind of annoying. But what's really interesting about Strange New Worlds with this Spock is we know, we're like, at what point is Spock in the timeline? Because he doesn't want to talk about having other siblings in Strange New Worlds, even though I think he knows. I don't know if you're watching, you just watched this last season. There were many points throughout Strange New Worlds where I think Burnham in his head came up as his grown up sister, but like he yeah. never speaks about her because they yeah. grew up together. Yeah, there's moments between Spock and Pike where they kind of allude to it. Strange New Worlds is going to give a cyborg, which I was like, uh, you know. <laughs> You know, that's a very that's a very Star Wars thing to be like, yeah, that that thing that you don't like, we're going to give it to you, you know, because like Star Wars uh, television in particular revisits the prequels and prequel characters all the time. We're like, oh, we know you didn't like the prequels, but uh, here's somebody else from the Clone Wars. And you're just going to have to you're just going to have to swallow it because there's going to be stuff that you like as well. 
Uh, and uh, the idea that we would have Cybok, I'm like, it's interesting. That's for sure. Look, after season two of Picard, I, 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 I could have very easily fallen out of love with Star Trek. But then uh, Strange New Worlds was so good that I was like, that had to be the next show for me to be pulled right back in immediately. You know, and I, I think that they, they did a great job with that show. So I'm very excited for season two. I just felt like Picard in this in this new franchise that we love, because I think J.J. Abrams did a really great job of literally giving us a sleeker, more exciting new franchise. And this is how Discovery came about. Right. But I, yeah. I look at the new uh, Paramount Plus Star Trek time when I go, OK, Discovery and Strange New Worlds are here. Picard is in its own world. I don't even put Picard in the timeline. Because I'm like, Strange New Worlds, Discovery, Lower Decks, I haven't watched the cartoons yet, and Prodigy, they're all in this, all in its own thing. Right. And I think Picard was just for fans. It was not to be a part of something that we wanted to like, oh, how does this franchise, how does Star Trek as a franchise continue? It was like, Picard's on its own. Like, for what? It's a, it's almost like uh, you know they're uh, the the DC film division is a mess, but it's always like you know you love all that Batman stuff. Yeah, that's not related to any of the other stuff that you see. We have a Batman, but it's not the one that uh, that you see in the Batman movies. Right. We got Ben Affleck. Do you like him? No, not not really. Well, he's the one you get. You know, you're not going to get Christian Bale. Yeah, you're not going to get Robert Pattinson, but you're going to get Michael Keaton. So what do you think about that? You know, anyway, <laughs> that's a story for another time. Many stories for another time. Uh, obviously, I could uh, keep talking about Picard and I will. All right, let's keep going. Oh, is that what you're saying, Christian? <laughs> Time for another hour. Let's go. Let's clock in. Uh, but uh, for yeah, now, because I have questions uh, about the board queen, and I have very serious reservations, very serious questions about the board queen. About the board queen, uh, how she was able to stay alive? Uh, well, because at the end of season two, she was dead. That's a different. Even, no, no. Even, Terry Metalis explained that. That's a different board queen. That's an alternate timeline board queen played by an actress named Annie Wershing, who unfortunately passed away. This yeah. is the the voice of Alice Krieg and then some, some body double as, uh, you know, but it's that's supposed to be the same character as Nemesis. The Borg Queen we had in season two is not the same Borg Queen. But even if you had a Borg Queen from the Delta Quadrant and a Borg Queen from the Alpha Quadrant, they're still the same person. Just like a Janeway from the Alpha Quadrant was the same Janeway. You know what I mean? It was the same person. I feel like we might need to, we, we might have to invoke uh, the Patty Duke show and the uh, identical cousins. You know, they're not really the same. <laughs> well, really no, because I guess, yeah, that was, I mean, Q takes them and puts them in an alternate, an alternate future. Yeah. And that's because where they meet the Queen there. Yeah, that that's like a, a board queen that's a captive of uh, I don't even know. He was like General Picard. I I, I, I don't want to relive season two of Star Trek, but <laughs> no. But it's but it's also like even in this current timeline, it's not like Picard went to a different timeline. So, like we said, if you were going to bring back a bunch of characters, where was Allison Pill's board queen? The so good thing about Terry Metalis being so involved on Twitter is he addressed that. He said that it's referenced in an early episode, like episode four. Uh, Shaw references it at some point, like where she is or something. And I haven't done a rewatch on the season. And, uh, you know, I, I may not. But he said that it was addressed, that she was dealing with something in a different part of, of the galaxy. I, it was something that I was wondering 
But I'm like, I mean, if he said that it's in an episode, I mean, he, you could fact check that. So I doubt but he's even lying. If, but even if she's, but even if she's, even with that explanation, even if she's out there dealing with something, the Borg is a collective. If the Borg is out there doing other stuff, wasn't like they couldn't, boop, 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 boop. like Jack was yeah. controlling the fleet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, where, where was the rest of the collective then? And and look, you're not wrong, but uh, they don't they don't want us to poke too many holes in their no. uh, in their stories. And that yeah. was such an unpleasant character design for Allison Pill as the Borg, Borg Queen G- Girardi as the, you oh. know, the as we always affectionately referred to her was a uh, uh, murder doctor lady. Yeah. You know, her, her murder was instantly <laughs> forgiven, and they were like, Ah, man, hey, we all have bad days. We all we all <laughs> murder our ex boyfriend, don't we? At some point, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they were very forgiving of her. And oh, now I'm remembering the episode where she sang in that red dress. Okay, we have to. <laughs> oh wow, we have yeah. to knock oh, it back God. into season two. I I loved season three. Don't do this to me, Drexel. You're making me. I think don't about even. I don't two. even think. I don't even think that seasons one and two existed. That's how I feel about it. I don't. It might I don't be think right. they did. But, but at this point, they just didn't exist. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. The seasons one and two of Picard are a because uh, Data died, Data died, came back, Borg Queen died, came back. At this point, like I yeah. said, Tuvix died, and here he could to come back. At this point, <laughs> <laughs> can always get more Tuvix. That's that's always the takeaway of the show. We always need more Tuvix, but what we also always need is more Frank Moran. Where can people find you, sir? Uh, find me on Twitter and Instagram at Happy Go Jackie. Frank is hard at work at something that we're all very excited about, and uh, oh, but uh, coming down the line in the future, so. coming down uh, X Men, the uh, the animated series, baby, coming soon. It's, uh, is, is it? Fun. It's officially called X Men ninety seven, or is that just uh, something that that we call it uh, as nerds? I can neither confirm nor deny anything. That's the answer it. I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so excellent. Uh, but excellent. Uh, That's mm-hmm. funny. Ah, ah. And uh, Drexel, uh, we'll have to uh, get the gang back together and uh, uh, talk about the less consequential world out there—the world of politics. Um, I, but, I would um, love. Oof. I love the Man, if we, uh, Drexel, if people uh, want to find you, where can they keep in touch with you in your? unverified twitter account <laughs> oh my gosh i mean it's like i stabbed at the heart everywhere at drexel Hayes, pretty much i like to keep uh safe. well this is uh, uh this was a lot of fun as always and uh as i i said earlier i i can't stop talking about uh, star trek picard but <laughs> i'm about to stop talking about star trek picard finally so far <laughs> we've had our pals mark hunt jason blair frank moran Drexel Heard. So our next episode will feature the curmudgeonly take on Star Trek Picard Season 3 from my friends Tom Kelly and Salmon himself, David Weiss. But before we get to that, before we rain on everybody's parade, let's gush one more time. Let's have one more session of sunshine, rainbows, unicorns, puppy dogs, <laughs> Tronya for everyone with Katie Hampton and Mark Hampton, a.k.a. Mr. and Mrs. Star Trek Picard, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. So uh, the week that uh, Star Trek Picard had its finale, it uh, debuted on a Thursday, and uh, the two of you went and had the crazy idea that you would get married on Saturday. <laughs> so my first question for each of you, when did you watch? 
the show. I'll ask you first, Mark, because having been married myself, you know, we're busy in the lead up to a wedding, but mm-hmm. we're not, we're not that busy. You know, there's, there's <laughs> I was, yeah. I was well, busy, yeah, but there's time to like, you know, you got, you, you might have to watch a show on your phone, but you know, there's oh, yeah. time in that way is what I mean. So when did nope. you get to watch? I'll ask you first, Mark. We carved it out. We carved out time for Thursday Smart. morning. So we got, we watched it like 9.30 AM before, Beautiful. before family members had risen <laughs> and hit us up with all their unnecessary frivolous questions and stuff well, it's like good because if they'd like been staying with you you could have been like here's a 50 dollars starbucks gift card don't come back for two hours i would have i would have called the cops on them for trespassing get them out for an hour an i hour. don't know who these people are <laughs> uh so you guys got to watch it together which uh must be great and uh i'm sure that you'll both say it was the second happiest moment of that week <laughs> but there might have been times where it felt like maybe neck and neck you know, Our wedding know. I don't want to put words good. in your mouth, Katie, but was it close? <laughs> it was definitely, it was definitely a close. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was uh, everything I had hoped and dreamed and, uh, and a little bit more. Um, but yeah. And I don't know which same, one you're talking the, about. Are you talking about the, the finale or the wedding right now? And it was everything you hoped and a little it bit was, more. Legitimately, that goes for both <laughs> scenarios. Fair, the wedding fair. was, um, you know. I, everything that we had hoped and feared and also <laughs> we're really excited about and the same thing with and, the card. <laughs> and it was the darndest thing for some reason after your vows john delancey showed up and told you that the trial was just beginning and you're <laughs> yeah. like I, I guess thanks for being here i would have um, lost know. my shit <laughs> i just i would have asked him to stick around for pictures Oh, yeah, absolutely. That, that would have been well worth it. Uh, and uh, Mark, I there's a I always like to kind of talk to people about their their background with Star Trek, because Star Trek is something that, you know, basically, if you're of anywhere in a large age range, pretty much everybody likes Star Wars and right. less people like Star Trek. And especially before the re- the reboot, the people that I know who are my age that liked Doctor Who when they were kids, I was like, what happened? Who hurt you? Well, why? <laughs> why did you turn to that man with the long scarf and the terrible effects? But Star Trek is something that was a very much a huge part of my life. And I understand from having talked to you before, very much a part of yours. And there's something in your backstory that I think illustrates just how much of a fan you are. And I'd like you to share that with our Black Cast audience who maybe haven't heard that story before. All right, Black Cast coming at you. So um, my mom introduced me to Star Trek with, uh, I was sick from school one day and she rented the Trouble with Tribbles episode. So that's the first episode I ever had, uh, ever saw Star Trek. She thought it would start me off with a funny one. And then um, she would take me to see the movie. So we saw Star Trek four in theaters, saw Star Trek five in theaters. Then we had to move due to unforeseen circumstances uh, to Tennessee from Georgia. And we hadn't had HBO in a couple of years and I was hadn't been able to see like Star Trek six in theaters. Um, so we got to my grandma's Also, just house. to interject, it would have stood to reason yes. that after Star Trek five, they stopped the franchise entirely. You know, you could, uh, mm-hmm. you know, your mind could have been like, yeah, I kind of see how that would have happened, you know. 
Totally. I actually like Star Trek Five. I'm one of the few people on the you, planet. You and William do. Shatner, you know. <laughs> I know. I actually do like Star Trek Five. Well, it's then, uh, when we finally get Cybok in uh, season two of Strange New Worlds, I know who I'm calling first to be on. I even call. I even called it halfway through. I'm like, I bet it's gonna be Cybok. And she was like, Who? She hasn't seen Star Trek Five. Um, yeah, so but anyway, even yes. even seeing Star Trek Five, if I had been in that room, I'd be like, They would never put Cybok in the show they, because people hate that movie but you know what anyway so uh so you have you have hbo for the first time yeah so we get hbo for the first time and they're just playing star trek 6 on repeat it seems like and obviously we all know that sulu was the captain of the excelsior in that film obviously excelsior was introduced in star trek 3 um i didn't see that much as a kid i think we we kind of skipped to four because my parents thought it might be a little too heavy for me or whatever so this is my first introduction to the excelsior and in that moment i was like there needs to be a show about the excelsior but it needs to be in the 24th century working uh, like concurrently with the TNG cast. And I took it upon myself to create that TV show began in eighth grade. um, Just started writing episode ideas down, creating character arcs, creating season arcs. um, And I got all the schematic books. Like, so the Akuta schematic books, the Star Trek encyclopedia, I had two volumes of that. Um, And I basically just threw myself into this, uh, Star Trek world learned everything about it so I could write as authentic a Star Trek show as possible because that was my creative outlet. And I ended up like coming up with essentially eight seasons worth of television shows, two movies, spinoffs, all this crazy stuff. And it's what made me want to be uh, a writer. It's what kickstarted my writing career. So that's my well, intro to Star Trek. I, I hope that uh, the the current writer strike ends soon, and then someone's like, "I heard that there's a there's a blueprint for an Excelsior series. Let's let's get that going now." And uh, interestingly enough, uh, Katie heard all of this and was like, "Okay, this is why I'm interested in this young fella. I hear that he's got <laughs> eight seasons of uh, of Excelsior. Uh, you you can't you can't lose. You know, it's funny because." I, I'd heard you tell me that story before, and, and the last time it didn't make me think of this, but it reminded me of uh, one of my favorite stories about uh, the, the comedian and sometimes actor uh, Colin Quinn. He had a small mm-hmm. role in Crocodile Dundee 2 <laughs> and a very small role. I think he had mm-hmm. two lines. So he took it upon himself to rewrite the entire script so that his character became like the second most important character. And he showed up on set <laughs> with that. And was like, yeah, I, I made the script better. I'm in it a lot. And uh, somehow uh, they didn't agree and they uh, kept him to his, uh, you know, his under five lines. So yeah, weird how that happens. Yeah, yeah it's so weird how that doing happens. That. <laughs> well, the, who, who, who in the right mind thinks they can tinker with such a masterpiece as Crocodile, <laughs> Crocodile D2? <laughs> Look, there's, there's one Paul Hogan in the universe and Colin Quinn is not it. None of us no. are it. We Colin Quinn is try. barely Colin Quinn. there's a there's a great joke when uh colin Cohen was first on uh snl i think uh david spade said something along the lines of like hey when did colin quinn's dad get on the show uh, (laughs) he'd gotten older and he was he was kind of a lot bigger than when he was on remote control but this is not to talk about remote control or crocodile dundee 2 i'm excited to know how you felt about the finale of Star Trek Picard season three. We will talk about any negatives, any nitpicks, but 
big picture, big excitement, happy feelings right now. Katie, I ask you first. You know, we were already, at least I was already in a very emotional place of just like pure joy and happiness. And this show came in and kind of topped that. <laughs> um, it, it was so many different things um, that just, uh, it felt like it, it really ended the next generation story and properly so that, that there were no more questions there. Like we, we understood everything. And I just, I had so much fun. I was, I, there were stuff that like I could predict, but it didn't bother me. It, like it was actually really fun to see how they made it play out. Um, everything was like, Oh, the action had me on the edge of my seat. It, it was wonderful. Absolutely. Wonderful. <laughs> Uh, Mark, would you uh, echo those comments? And and not just in the sense that uh, obviously you should uh, you know be a good husband and be <laughs> a wife, but in general, you're you're in your heart of hearts. Do you feel that uh, that was really your takeaway from when you saw the final tenth episode of uh, Picard season three? Yeah, I you know I really enjoyed it. Um, the thing that stuck out to me is that especially after the disappointment of Star Trek Nemesis, it was really lovely to give them a happy ending. Like, and they were playing cards, just like in all good things. And, you know, they just, they had that happy ending that I think we all wanted for them. It was very much, it reminded me very much in the Star Trek Six vein of them kind of, they basically rode off into the sunset, except yeah. the sun was just like there, there's nothing to set. But they just, and it kind of felt very much like that. We got to say a proper goodbye to that crew, to that cast, in a way that I think, honored their uh the original story very well and so just for that reason alone it was a wonderful experience um but i i really enjoyed the episode uh fun twists and turns we got basically the star trek death star trench run with the yep. enterprise d <laughs> that was fun um i think great conclusion for all these arcs um once again our heroes saved the day it was really nice to see Patrick Stewart kind of really embodied the Picard that I think we all knew from TNG, um, yeah. especially seasons three through seven. Um, a lot of times, in, I don't. This isn't a criticism. I felt like Patrick Stewart was playing Picard um, a little more like he played him as the old Picard in All Good Things. He was a little more uh, haywire, a little more off the cuff, um, a little less measured um than he was in the original in tng and i felt like we saw the measured picard a little bit more which was the picard i truly loved so that was really fun um the cameos were really good so all overall a really good experience i really enjoyed it yeah no no i agree and uh, to your point which uh i i've echoed that uh you know the plot point of let's blow up the death star is so rampant throughout star Wars that it's even caught on to star Trek. Even they were like, we want yes. uh, Stuart Arbery in the chat says, uh, I don't think that's a picture of you, but I could be wrong. Uh, my favorite flaw of the finale, which is actually very charming to me. They say it's impossible. It's an impossible course to navigate to the heart of the board cube. And then data charts of course he adds y'all rock i mean uh, obviously that's why we're here and dominica satson tags onto that i'm glad it was harder to get to the center than it was for the death star <laughs> right. uh yeah and there's you know <clears throat> you sort of were like hey wait before we blow this thing up is uh, everybody gonna be able to get out okay all right so let's let's see what we can do but i agree and look i think that we were set up with what Stuart was talking about it's like oh no one can do this well you know i am data you know, and lore, right. and 
you know, before all before in one. And, yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, I thought that, uh, you know, there are, are certainly some things that I didn't like uh, about it, but most of that is really the after we sort of wind things down with our crew who are back together. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's stuff that I don't feel like I need to explore further. And then they sort of set some of that up, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Mm -hmm. But in terms of getting our crew on the bridge and having the presence of mind to having the other characters not be on the bridge for the key moments, you know, like Raffi's off doing something else. And, seven, you know, yeah. And, mm -hmm. and, and seven wasn't, you know, we wanted our TNG crew on the bridge. Even if yeah. they're, you know, out of position and doing things and, you know, the uh, and David uh, and data's navigating like that, that alone is navigating. Was... We have uh, uh, the, the nice touch, the very last line on the D before it gets decommissioned, the nod to Magil, Ro Magil Barrett Roddenberry's voice. There's all these things where you're just like, yeah. oh, it's all so emotional. It's all great. Of course, they saved the day. Um and I think that from a storytelling standpoint, I thought I thought somebody was was going to die. Maybe Picard. Boy, that would have been something. But mm -hmm. it's always like it's a franchise and it's a there's a big studio that has a streaming service built on this franchise. So it's like, well, let's let's just kill the one new character that uh, Christian Blatt like. Let's let's go uh, ahead and, and get rid of <laughs> Liam Shaw. Boy, did they. We don't want Liam Shaw, but uh, everyone else can live on forever. Um, but yeah, I thought that we had a lot of that fun and spirit of like the things that we've always liked about the various iterations of Star Trek and to have all these friends back together, but then also, especially because it's a streaming show, of course, we're going to take the time for them to, you know, get together in the bar and play mm -hmm. poker. You know, we need all that. And I mean, maybe we don't need it, but we do need it. What did you think about all that stuff, uh, Katie, giving us all the bells and whistles that uh, I think we would have been upset if we didn't get? Uh, I thought they did it beautifully. I thought they I, I agree. They sort of like cordoned off the different casts so that like we got our next gen on the bridge. Um, and then the poker scene at the end, especially with the credits rolling over it, I was like, it it, it, it truly did feel like the ending of next generation that I've always wanted um, because everything else felt like it was so up in the air and like, well, I don't know. And Picard season one and two just weren't like the answers that I wanted. <laughs> it wasn't like the stories that I followed or, or cared for. Um, and this felt like it really tied it up in a nice, beautiful bow. Um, I think it's interesting that we have a, basically a new cast heading out um, on a new enterprise um, going for another show, I'm guessing with Raffi <laughs> and, mm. um, and seven, you know, like I will be intrigued by this new show. Um, I feel like depending on how this writer strike does go, that will be very dependent on how well that show ends up. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, look, there's a lot of time to think about whether or not you do want to do that show. But uh, yeah. I, I think that, you know, getting us into the situation where we start to set that up, uh, I, I think, you know, was, was definitely the kind of storytelling you want. And again, Stuart in the chat, great interview with Terry Metalis, where he said he deliberately put in various quote, last moments with multiple characters so you'd be worried that they would die i yeah. do think that the stakes were very high and you could have seen mm -hmm. 
a number of characters have paying some kind of sacrifice in the finale, but also in some of the episodes, you know, there's a point where you're like, uh, you know, I think that uh, Riker could definitely sacrifice himself uh, for mm-hmm. his family and for his friends. And uh, I don't know how many times uh, that I've seen Worf say that today is a good day, a good to, day die, to die. But man, he is ready to die <laughs> now, you know, and he really, really is. And like, he's, he's so really... zen about it too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. um, hundred years say, later, he'll have an IV drip, and he'll still be like, "It's it's a good day to die." It's a good <laughs> please believe me, it's a good day. Just <laughs> <Anyone>. someone. <laughs> we should get that on lower decks. Um, but yeah, <laughs> no. The the one thing was is that I and I feel like Jordy was the one that kind of said it in uh, either the second to last or the last episode. But it was like, I just can't see you die again. Like that, and that felt like something from the audience as well. It was like we cannot see understand. Data die one more time so i was yeah. so glad that that wasn't an issue um and that he did <laughs> giggle while going through his trench run <laughs> i thought that was a nice touch and you know the idea that this is the final ending is that it does feel satisfying because in the past when we've said goodbye to the tng characters uh all good things we knew that they were going to go on in movies. I mean, we right. knew that, uh, you know, they, I, I think they'd probably already shot generations by the time they did that last season. Uh, so, and then also with nemesis, there was the expectation that people were going to like that movie and want another one. But then we just, we didn't get, I think it was seven years until we got the JJ Abrams one. And I think right. during that time, at least for the first five of those years, I think we were all like, well, they'll probably do another TNG movie. Won't they? you know? And now we're in that point with the JJ Abrams universe. It's like, we keep hearing that they're going to do another one, but it's been like, I don't know, seven years now. It's been a That's long right. time. Yeah. And that cast that is so great. I mean, you can, you can say what you want about the movies and some of the storytelling in it, but it was like, I would, I would still love to see that crew again, you know, but I think, I do hope that, you know, we've said goodbye to this group as a unit. If they do mm-hmm. a Star Trek legacy show or other shows that are set in this time period after here, I'm not going to be upset if I get a, a cameo from Geordi or Worf or something. Oh, totally. Right. But I can't right. imagine that they would get them all together again. You know, what do you think, Mark? Or sort of looking at this as an actual ending. I don't see I don't see them all getting together again. I think that was a, a really solid ending. I think they're probably all really happy with it. And you know, to an earlier point, we were making because concern that characters were going to die. Um, there's nothing wrong with happy endings where people don't die. It's like I yeah. feel like in media right now, more than any, we have, and especially in these sci-fi fantasy shows. It's just been a nonstop bummer for a damn decade. Losing Iron Man, Black Widow, Black Panther, Vision kind of like, so in the Marvel movies, you lose Luke, Leia, and Han in the Star Wars movie. Everyone is dying. Star Trek, to me, was always about comfort. Even the torture episode where Picard only saw four lights. Like, (laughs) at the end of the episode, everybody's okay. Like, he's been through some stuff, but he's okay. For me, Star Trek is comfort, and I think they paid homage to that really well. Um, so I just wanted to get that point across. Yeah, and, yeah. and uh, Dominica Saxon makes the point. Uh, Rogue mm-hmm. One was great, and literally everyone died at the end. Yeah, no, it's it's totally. nice when everyone doesn't die. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's my point. And I think Rogue One 
that worked perfectly for Rogue One. Star right. Trek to me has always been comfort. It's always been about that. The good guys prevail in the end, and we learn a little something about that. And I think uh, learn a little something along the way. And I think they uh, paid that off well. So I appreciate it. Uh, uh, before way. we talk about uh, the actual ending and setting up the future and things like that, was there anything that was missing from this that you uh, were kind of hoping to see? There was a few things that we've talked about previously <laughs> on the show, but specifically I want to know, Katie and Mark, was there anything that uh, you wished they'd included? I'll ask you first, Katie. Engineer O'Brien. Oh, yes. <laughs> Where'd he go? I mean, we had a transporter issue with the Borg, and you don't bring O'Brien by it. <laughs> what? <laughs> where is my O'Brien? <laughs> yeah, are you, are you telling me he's not down on Earth at that moment? You know, like where you just beam anyway. him up, it'll be fine, or you know, send a shuttle for him, I guess, if the whole point. <laughs> he's on yeah. some ship. You know, he's on some ship. I yeah, mean, he's, if he's not captain or something by now. Like maybe he was buddies with Shaw. We don't know. Like, uh, it, I, I just, I really, I was really hoping that we were going to see Chief O'Brien, but. Uh, <laughs> what about, what about you, Mark? Were you hoping for a cameo from Colmini or uh, was there uh, something else that you felt was lacking? I did. I, w I was hoping to see Chief O'Brien again. Um, I understand how that might've felt very shoehorned in. Um, yeah. Especially, well, especially if Keiko was with him, you know, as a child. Um, uh, I I really did think because they put out like the broadcast to trying to get reinforcements. I really did think we were going to at the end when everything seemed lost and the Titan was about to go down that we'd see an armada of like Vulcans and Romulans and Klingons and things like that. Um, and I thought uh, we were going to see Commander Sela. I really did think Denise Crosby was going to show up because, um, as I mentioned in the previous podcast. Uh, the Commander Sela thread um, was just kind of left open. <clears throat> we didn't yeah. know what happened with her. I thought we might get a little closure on that, just a little bit. I understand expense-wise that probably would have been really expensive to have those moments. I was kind of expecting that, though, hoping to maybe see that kind of a final send-off. I would have loved to have seen Guinan in 10 forward at the very end. Mm. Um or yeah, I they even they they're even there talking like she's there in the bar. Like she's in but, the back room, like she's yeah. changing out kegs or something. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like and no, I it's too bad think... she's not here. Let's let's do <laughs> yeah, a shot right. without her. Exactly. <laughs> she hates and I also poker. Think... She's not going to play with us. <laughs> I also think that would have been a really beautiful moment if they could have actually had their last scene in proper 10 forward as, as opposed to the bar. Cause to me, the bar means nothing. It's a bar. It's a bar in LA yeah. guy named runs. It just it emotionally didn't mean anything. And they did recreate 10 forward for the season premiere or the first episode of Picard. So it was definitely within their wheelhouse to do it. I think that would have been um, a nice moment there, but I'm that that's nitpicky stuff. What was the original question? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what was missing? And then the, uh, the yeah. thing that uh, right. some people that I've talked to uh, since the premiere or since the <clears> finale <throat> uh, aired uh, were a little surprised because uh, they know that uh, Voyager was not my favorite show. But we had so many name checks of Admiral Janeway that yeah. I thought it was inevitable that we were going to see her. And it as I've like said it. previously, that scene with actual Tuvok at the end talking to Seven, you're like, I mean, I would have written that to be Janeway. And look, maybe she wasn't available. Right. Maybe they tried. Maybe, you know, who knows? But that was mm -hmm. like, oh, well, they talked about her so much, you know, and right. I guess it was because they knew they weren't going to have her. 
Uh, it just would have been a nice touch because, yes, she's not a character from TNG, but because you have Seven and she's such an important part of her story, mm-hmm. it would have been nice even if it, it even if it was an incredibly brief moment. But it didn't ruin the show for me. It just it's another one of those. I don't know. Maybe you not having O'Brien ruined the show for you, Katie. But uh, <laughs> no. It, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, I think that uh, they did a great job, and it was like when this is what I said earlier is this idea that we were going to get Picard back. It was going to be a new show. This is kind of exactly what we wanted. We we're like, all right, I yeah. hope that uh, he gets into an adventure with the whole gang. And I, I didn't actually go far enough to think like, ah, and they're going to figure out a way to bring back the Enterprise D. But I'm glad they did. Yeah. Uh, but, you know. Uh, Mark so, described it once as like a 10 hour movie that we all just needed. And yeah. mm-hmm. couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah. No. Or it's like a it's like a 30 hour movie that you could fast forward through the first 20 hours. <laughs> <laughs> this yes. season is the movie that you needed. And you Act one and two, not so great. Fact, Act three. Fact, I highly recommend yeah. that. <laughs> and you're fast forwarding and you're like, what why does Jean-Luc have an eye patch on? What's going on? <laughs> ah, I don't even care. I really don't care. So all right. So then we set the stage and they spend time, but again, it's a streaming show. You can have it be whatever length you want it to be. So I didn't feel like it took away from the show. If this was a 42 minute network television show and they spent this number of minutes, I would have been annoyed. They want to set up this Star Trek legacy show that Terry Metalis has talked about. He's even said he can figure out a way to get Todd Stashwick back as William <gasps> Shaw. Uh, a lot of people assume mirror universe, but whatever. Uh, so, Okay. <laughs> but it also was like, oh, man, I, I've I've had a great show up to this point. And uh, now you've got this extra stuff. You know, it's like it's yep. like I even had dessert and oh, you're bringing out a second and third plate of dessert. <laughs> I'm going to eat it, but I don't think I should. You right. know? What did you think <laughs> about some of those those tacked on extra scenes? You know, the last scene and then the scene during the credits, Mark. Um, <laughs> man, <laughs> I. I really like Seven as a character. It felt weird that the baton of the Enterprise would be passed to, to Seven of Nine, who didn't really have a connection to Next Gen. She was on Picard. So that was difficult for me to stomach in the moment. I'm, and I'm not against it. And if there's a Star Trek legacy where she is the captain of the Enterprise, I'll watch the damn thing. And I'll yeah, come on this course. podcast and talk with you about it. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I get it. And it was brief. I did feel like we were rolling into a bit of the JJ Abrams territory where it felt like it was written by someone that had no idea how Starfleet worked when they were like, what role is Jack Crusher going to play? Well, we never even thought of that. No, he's on the bridge. I guess I'll pull some bullshit out of my ass real quick and give him this assignment. <laughs> so that, that to me was a little like, uh, a little lazy, and then you had Raffi sitting there as her number one, looking like she just came out of a gem in the holograms cartoon, hair everywhere. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was like, what is this? Not and why is she a first officer all of a sudden? And like, she's in a relationship with it. Like, there's just a lot of questions for me. I'm like, okay, yeah. they're in a relationship. She shouldn't be the number one. I don't know what's going on with that hair. I don't know why you <laughs> didn't have an idea what was going on with Jack Crusher. I felt like it was so open-ended, almost too open-ended, that they didn't want to put themselves in a box in any way, shape, or form. So they didn't put themselves anywhere. Um, I don't know. And I was even like, I don't know, the Titan becoming the Enterprise G? Because 
that bridge is fine for the Titan. It is yeah. not fine for the Enterprise. It is Star Trek is brighter than that. It's it was gloomy. So there's a lot of things I wasn't in love with um, the way they sent them off and that whole transition. Um, I did love seeing Q come back. Um, and I love that he's still going to be a thorn in everyone's side. Cause I'm like killing off Q what? And then he makes the comment about linear thinking and stuff. I'm like, and I was like, there's the Q I love. So that I'm, I'm very much in favor of. I feel like the baton was passed very quickly to Jack Crusher. I don't know how I feel about that. I thought he was a fine character. I'm not sure he's necessarily the one I want to be the steward of Star Trek, especially the Enterprise for the next decade or so, but uh, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, it, it is interesting that uh, a lot of this weight is being put on the shoulders of Jack Crusher, mm-hmm. uh, a character that I think multiple times during the season just you kind of figured was going to die or sacrifice or something. And then it's like, Oh no, he's a he, right. guy who hates Starfleet ends up in Starfleet. Pretty sure I've seen that before, but that's all right. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. What did uh, you think, Katie? Uh, people know how I feel about Q, but what did you think about seeing Q in the uh, the mid-credits part of the finale? I mean, it was one of those things I think that we had talked about a couple of times, and I was like, oh, that would be cool. I didn't see season two of Picard, but I had heard that he had died, technically. I, I did love the solve of nonlinear thinking. Yeah. Um, and I love Q as a character. I felt like everything with the like setting up you know, Raffi and, and Seven and everybody, I was like, it felt like the epilogue to Harry Potter, <laughs> where I was like, I mean, okay, sure. But like, what I really cared about was the main storyline when you mm-hmm. got away from those characters. Uh, you, Jack Crusher, agree, is he's an interesting character. I do think that actor is phenomenal. I think he has so much more potential to show off how far he can go and how great he can be. Um, I do feel like we were a little bit shoehorned into caring about him <laughs> because yeah, he, was, yeah. he yep. was Picard's son and it was like, oh, well, now you have to like him. And I was like, well, but I don't really know him. <laughs> uh, and like, he's like, this renegade like has a British accent because he just picked it up. Because sure. his dad's British and his accents are genetic. I, mean, he's I, never did love, <laughs> I did love that they explained that like he just went to like, a school and then picked up the accent. Yeah, it's a boys' school and picked up the accent. I was like, sure. As as, uh, two people who uh, just got married since the episode, uh, it's interesting because I feel like we've been put into this arranged marriage with Jack Crusher and we didn't (laughs) get a say in it. And we're like, oh. Mm -hmm. And like, somehow like, you know, Raffi's like the matchmaker and she's there. I'm perfectly fine with Seven, but I agree. I don't think she needs to be the captain of a, a Starfleet vessel. I was all in favor earlier in the run of Picard for her going back to being whatever those space rangers were or whatever. I'm like, that could be an interesting story. Right. I would I would follow that. And then mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, but we have to put everybody in this sort of, you know, you talk about linear thinking. We put everyone in this narrow box where it's the bridge of a starship and they, you know, go find strange new worlds and you know all that <laughs> out there but um also I, I i said this earlier you know just sort of end with like well what are you gonna say what's your catchphrase are you gonna give us one and then it's like nope you're gonna have to pick up the show if you want a catchphrase and i feel like the catchphrases are overdone anyway oh well, way too it, overdone and especially with uh with the trailer for strange new worlds and like and having spock do the like 
the biffed up, uh, you know, I would like to go now. Like, it's funny. <laughs> we've made this joke a couple of times now where it's like, yeah. I don't really know what my captain phrase is. And that's fine. Um, I, you know, I'll always be a fan of hit it and engage. Uh, but mm-hmm. it, it does feel like that that was directly for the fans to be like, ooh, what's he going to say? <laughs> It's also, it's a joke that Lower Decks has done so phenomenally yes. well that it's like, it's out there now. We know it's a bit. So now that they continue to double down on their serious shows, kind of takes the oomph out of it. It makes, it's like the joke has been done and it's been done the best it's going to be done on Lower Decks, especially when Riker was like, give me warp factor five, six, seven, eight, you know, that like, <laughs> you'll never get better than that ever. Yeah. So yeah, don't try. Right. And I'm just, you know, I love Punch It on Strange New Worlds. I'm not a fan of Let's Fly. It's yeah, that's, contrived. That's um, I, we're in complete agreement on that. And then they yeah. that, they really amped that up about like, well, she's gonna get one. And then every time she says it, I'm like, Ugh, uh, right. <laughs> yeah, let's fly. All right, Michael, let's do it. Well, and it and it kind of feels like when you tell a really good joke and then someone tries to top the joke and you're like, please stop talking. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Or it's like you tell a good joke and then another person comes in the room. So then I said, mm-hmm. you know, and like, mm-hmm. yeah, I know the rest of us were here. And uh, yeah. the reason it <laughs> yep. was funny is that we didn't know it was coming. And uh, yeah, so um, exactly. Here's the thing. If whatever that show is, whether it's Star Trek Legacy or something else, if it never happens, I'm not going to be that disappointed. Yeah. If they had never made the Section 31 show or now it's going to be a movie with Michelle Yeoh, I would feel disappointed because I really like the Emperor Giorgio version of that character. Yeah. And I thought the idea of seeing more of her, taking her out of Discovery so that they could do it, I thought was was great. So that would have been a disappointment. Not a huge disappointment, but I would have been disappointed. This, I'm like, if we never see anyone from this episode again, it'll be all right. You know? Yep. But yeah, it felt if, completed. Yeah. Yeah. It, and and like I said earlier, the next generation in particular didn't feel complete. Uh, the original series was complete with uh, Undiscovered Country. But then yeah. there was uh, some more, uh, you know, some more in generations with uh, with some of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dominicus Saxon. The captain catchphrases are becoming Toby Maguire using different hand motions to try and shoot a web. <laughs> And our pal yep. across the pond, the great Craig Robinson, says great callback. And we appreciate uh, everyone who is in the live chat. So uh, we know some of what we're getting from Star Trek going forward. We know that uh, June 15th, I believe, is Strange World <clears throat> Season 2. Very exciting. We're going to mm-hmm. get the final season of Discovery, which I believe is Season 5. But if you told me it was Season 9, I'd believe you. You know, it feels uh, like, feels like nine, it started it? forever ago. I enjoy yeah. it for the most part, but it definitely peaked with season two with uh, with Pike, you know, yep. with Pike, the mirror universe. We get Emperor Giorgio for the first time. And um, I have I have enjoyed the character building more than the actual show. I think I like characters that mm-hmm. I didn't used to like on that show. And, oh, wow. uh, you know, it'll that'll be fine. And then I guess there's a Starfleet Academy show. I don't even know what right. else. You know, the animated series. Lower Decks. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah, right. There's, and Prodigy, yeah, I still feel like, is for, oh, you know, phenomenal. It's for a different audience. So that's all right. Probably. It is. We it, watched the first half of the season. We haven't caught up yet. We will. Yeah. It's just, yeah. you know, it doesn't I watched the first one. And then the, the observation that I have made before, and I do know the future, I will make this observation again on this show. <laughs> uh, the 
it just I was watching Star Trek Prodigy and I was like halfway through it. And I remembered I'm like, oh, this is a Star Trek show. This isn't a Star Wars show because mm. it just felt like Star Wars. It's because it of maybe the animation style and all that. So, uh, you know, you shouldn't have Aliens. the lines be blurred like that. You know, exactly. But um, in general, I'm happy with the streaming content we get from Paramount Plus. I think that Star Trek 2, sorry, not Star Trek 2, Star Trek 2 is amazing. Season 2 of Picard is um, just one of the low points of of all entertainment mm-hmm. in the 21st century, in all honesty, for me personally. Yep. I could not mm-hmm. believe that they gave us that show. And, uh, you know, something that I want, like, I'm sitting there every week watching, wanting to love it. And uh, the, this third season yeah it wasn't perfect i think that uh if you want to take the time to poke some holes in it you can but wouldn't it just be fun to just sit back and enjoy watching the the band get back together for for one last romp you know and that's that's all i was expecting picard to be and because it was one season i am totally satisfied if they come out with picard season four i don't know whether or not i'm gonna watch that (laughs) because this feels like this is what i wanted when i saw that picard was coming out and then that that was the ending i needed (laughs) yeah no exactly and and you know you get all the cast back together because it's the last season it's the last time like wouldn't it be fun to do all that so, yeah, I, I, I don't want another season of Picard. I know that Patrick Stewart right. has said that, uh, you know, if they ask him, uh, he's not opposed to it. But I'm like, yeah, but maybe be opposed to it. You know, like <laughs> you, you could be done. It's done. fine. You know, we you had a good like 15 years where you weren't going to play the character again. Go back to that. You don't need to do anything anymore. You know, it's uh, you can keep doing your voice on American Dad for the, the boss character. You know, he doesn't have to leave mm-hmm. his house for that, probably. But you know he doesn't. He doesn't owe us anything. He's Sir Patrick Stewart for God's sake. Mm-hmm. You know he, he's done his bit for King and Country. Yeah, right. Exactly. So uh, I think that uh, it's I, I I I love him. I love the character. I have not loved this recent iteration, but I liked this right. season very much. So let's let's end on a good note. You know what I mean? Let's let's not sully the waters with more stuff. You, know? <laughs> you can you can give us other you know you can give us other shows. You can revisit re- other characters. It, it reminds me of um, I used to perform at IO West uh, out here in California, and I met Keegan Michael Key when Key and Peele was starting to be on the way out. And I was like, hey, it's so great to meet you. I love your comedy. You're wonderful. I was like, why are you guys ending the show? And he's like, there's other good stuff to be done. Um, And we don't want to overstay our welcome. And that was, and and I was like, yeah, fair. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, also, you know, we we can't live on a Comedy Central salary. There's also that. No one can. <laughs> no one can. I mean, the only person who could have uh, gave it back, and that's Dave Chappelle. Yeah. But that's the one contract that they made like that. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> they were like, never again. Never again. Yeah, it's like that was all the money we're going to spend on everyone for the rest of our mm-hmm. existence was the fifty million that we got back from Ooh. Dave Chappelle. Um, I was but reading... anyway, sorry, uh, what were you I... say, Mark? I was reading this interesting article. It was a group of showrunners that were in a round table and they were talking about streaming and how with the advent of streaming, they don't have these parameters that they have to fit anymore. 22 minutes, 42 minutes, they can do whatever they want. Um, and Michael Shore of famously of the office parks and rec um, and other various shows, a uh, uh, good place. Um, he said, we don't leave them wanting more anymore. 
because we can put as much in as we want right. because so nobody is left wanting more. And for me, I'm like with Picard, I'm like, let's end it. It's a proper send off. It's a wonderful goodbye. Let's leave everyone wanting more, but just saying this is it. I think that's the best way to go about it personally. Yeah. that that Yeah. I understand the idea of uh, leaving people wanting more, but uh, it, when you have delivered exactly the right amount, just, uh, you know, just walk no, away. There's no plenty more Star seconds. Trek stories. Sorry, what was that, Katie? I was just saying, no need for seconds. It's exactly yeah, like that no, dessert metaphor you had. Like, right. we're good. We're full. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're, we're full. We don't need anything else. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Uh, we're, everybody's happy. Well, no, actually, that's not true. But <laughs> you'll see on my next episode, not everybody's happy. But, uh, you know, in general, people are content with elements of it. No one, I don't think anybody's looking for more of, of Picard. Yeah. You know, per se. So I think it's a, it's a great time to move on and whatever's next. Uh, there are so many stories to tell uh, different time periods, but I would like to spend more time in this time period. I would like to see sort of the future of the Federation going forward. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, that was for a very long time. And as I was saying earlier to my friend, Frank Moran, you know, when they started doing discovery and it was set in this time before the original series, it was like, why are we going back there? Like, you know, we had that period yep. after Nemesis that we hadn't dealt with, which now we have from Picard onward. And I, uh, I, I'm, I'm certainly open to seeing more. Uh, I, I like strange new worlds a lot. And I don't think, you know, there was enough body of work for Pike, you know, prior to Kirk taking over. So uh, right. I'm, I'm certainly fine with it. And I, I really enjoyed that show. So I'm really looking forward to it. It's really the whatever's going to be next after that, which I assume is going to be Discovery, which, again, for the most part, I liked. But it's when we get past the end of Discovery and after that second season of Strange New Worlds, that's when I start to have questions. For right now, I'm okay. I'm not in the low place I was after season two of Picard. Yeah. The feeling after season three of Picard is exactly the opposite. Um, but what about the, the two of you as we start to wind down here? What would you ideally like to see more of? I'll ask you first, Mark. Obviously, in addition to a show about the Excelsior set in the 24th century. Yes, That's of off the so. table because Written we know we Andy want did. that. Because we know we want yeah. that, yes. Yeah. Um, I hope Lower Decks runs forever. I hope it's like Family Guy or The Simpsons. It's just Might as well. yeah, 35 right. Might years well. of them doing that show because um, I think it's one of the best things. Uh, one of the best Star Trek shows on right now, to be perfectly honest. So I hope that runs forever. I am a fan of Strange New Worlds. Um, I like what they're doing. I even like the idea that they paid homage to like filler episodes when they didn't need one, but they kind of did a filler right. episode, and I really appreciated that. So I'm very excited for that. Um, I am very much like you. If there's not a legacy show, I am going to be just fine. Um, I'm not sure I'm ready for a new crew of the enterprise to be perfectly honest um starfleet academy not when, not when there's still an excelsior out there exactly exactly let's explore some <laughs> other ships that start with e um and then um yeah i i wouldn't mind seeing a branch out in terms of like i wouldn't mind like a star trek sitcom like something scrubs wise that's on a like scrubs that's on a star trek or um, a starfleet vessel but I it's mean, a essentially comedy that's, but you could... essentially that's the orville uh, when it started but I, yeah. I agree that you know trying to tell different kinds of stories and and i think, I think from what fun. i've seen of lower decks they do that but yeah i, I agree yeah. like think outside the box i guess you know yeah you know i, mean, I think so 
I think the so. way that but you it, know, Deep Space Nine was it was you know they eventually added the the Defiant and all that, but it was like it mm-hmm. was like no, this is a place that people come to instead of you heading out and exploring. So there's right. other ways to think outside of the box. The conceit of Voyager was a good one. Like we're gonna go so far out in the galaxy at stuff we've never seen right. before. Well, that's great. So. Yeah, think a little bit more, you know, maybe not make it so much like all the shows that come before. Exactly. The only thing I ask is that they pay attention to the rules of the universe that they have established for themselves instead of this nonsense of like, and I'm going back to the J.J. Abrams movie where Kirk is right out of the academy and they they just give him the captain of the captaincy of the flagship of the Enterprise. I could never get past that. It ruined the entire series for me because I was like, you have completely ignored the rules of the very universe that you were playing within. And there was no reason for you to do so. There were so many workarounds. There's so many interesting ways you could have gone. And so that's what I continue to hope that they observe the rules that they have established over so many shows. And that's why I was like, I bumped up a little bit against that, you know, Star Trek legacy tag where again, the characters had there was no reason they should have been in those roles there's no reason jack shouldn't have known his role coming on to the enterprise and things like that so that's no matter what they do going forward just please observe the rules of the universe that you have established and i think we'll be okay i agree and uh Mm -hmm. that's well said what do you most want katie besides a uh a a miles o'brien show yeah uh, absolutely he's the lead i mean and and i'm i'm ready to watch it don't worry but uh apart from that what would you like i'd also like lower decks to uh address o'brien as well because they did like have a statue to him and everybody Mm -hmm. was like he's the perfect person um but yeah no i'm i'm definitely down for way more lower decks that that is the one show that like it brings the comfort and the humor that i always want um and they can do all the crazy things that i think that orville wanted to do but can do it with a little bit looser of a budget because you can just animate that instead of actually having mm-hmm. to do that practically yeah it's a great uh, point yeah. and yeah. I, i'm hoping that starfleet academy is something of that similar vein because the shenanigans they they get up to in lower decks is fun but like it always feels like they're on the edge of getting promoted so having starfleet academy be like sort of this like bob's burgers they never age type of thing you know like they're always in starfleet academy getting into these shenanigans and all these different things i i'm so down for that i i hope it's in the style of lower decks um yeah starfleet academy is basically think about uh it'll be uh facts of life but in space you know they're yes. all mm-hmm. they're all like at this boarding school and one day they're gonna get to leave and that's exactly what we want <laughs> well i very much uh appreciate uh, both of you uh, taking the time to uh, share your thoughts. I knew you were excited and I also knew the timing was going to make it so that it was going to be difficult to talk to you both right after the premiere, no, the finale premiered, the premiere finale either. Uh, <laughs> so I'm glad that uh, we had the time to talk about this and uh, I look forward to uh, talking uh, at Lower Decks, but also Strange New Worlds. Uh, Strange New Worlds. Absolutely. Very excited for that. Uh, and uh, you know what we're going to get in a season two in there and it was uh, so widely well uh, well received that i'm sure people are gonna hate it this season it's just the way <laughs> it's just the way it goes you know? always hopefully always. not hopefully not it's looking no, pretty good not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh in the meantime uh katie where can people find you 
You can find me on most uh, platforms at at lsassypants, E-L-S-A-S-S-Y-P-A-N-T-S, sometimes with a Z if you're looking on TikTok. You can also check me out on the Nappy Nuru Happy Hour podcast. Uh, we're releasing some really great episodes, and we've got a really good one coming up pretty soon here with the TikTok star People Displeaser. So very excited about that. Hmm, I can relate to someone known as People Displeaser. Mark, <laughs> what, uh, where can people find you? Yes, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at, at Mark S. Hampton. And actually, um, after our last conversation, I have been considering possibly um, on my Twitter page releasing um, some synopses and artwork of that Excelsior show that I had created so long ago, if there was interest at all. Oh so my if there gosh. is, follow well, me at Mark S. I, Hampton. I can't oh my gosh. I can't speak for everyone, but I'm interested. I didn't realize there was artwork as well. I thought it was all written out. I didn't. I drew schematics for the ship. I drew artwork. You don't understand. Like he's already got it going. So it's just like, can we please just give him the avenue? And I just got a follower, so maybe there's interest. (laughs) Just somebody, just somebody, dump a fortune into it and let let the show breathe. That's all. Everybody, tweet at him, Mark S. Hampton. At Mark S. Hampton is a place to find that. Uh, as always, I can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Christian DNZ. Please subscribe to the Blackcast YouTube channel where you'll be able to find our Strange New World show once it starts and everything else that you can get uh, from the Blackcast, including, <clears throat> excuse me, including uh, our uh, Marvel show where we'll be uh, taking a look at Guardians of the Galaxy over the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 over the uh, next few weeks. So you can find all that there. But that's all the time we have for now. We'll see you next time on the Blackcast. And, of course, live long and prosper. Thank you for listening to the Blackcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Bladcast. That's B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. You can also subscribe to the audio version wherever podcasts are found. Like The Bladcast on Facebook, follow at Bladcast on Twitter and Instagram, and of course, the man responsible for what you just heard is on Twitter and Instagram at ChristianDMZ. I'm Farad Muhammad, and if you want me to voice your podcast intro, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at F-A-R-D. M-U-H-A-M-M-A-D. We will see you next time on the Bladcast. Well, this has been the Bladcast. I am your host. (laughs) You can find me at Christian DMZ. Jeff Duray, not on Twitter. The Bladcast. Welcome to the stream. Who are you? One of the best podcasts you can ever see, the Blackcast. Whoop-dee-doo, we're watching it. We got no Wi-Fi. We can't hear a thing, but we love it. Go watch the Bladcast with me and Carl. It was a great show. Who was the guest that got Cardiff to do the uh, mommy drinkers thing? Oh, I don't remember. Christian Blood. Christian Blood. Are you ready to play to catch an alien? Christian? That's me. <laughs> Who I've never heard <laughs> hey. of before. Good luck with the whole thing. And, you know, here's to another 500. Get you to 1,000, you know, which is more than 500. Last time I checked. One of Christian Blatt's favorite people in here to talk to one of his other favorite people. Hello, fellow favorite person of Christian Blatt. How are you? Hi, other fellow <laughs> favorite person of Christian Blatt. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. We're closed. <laughs> Woo-hoo.